106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. a microphone away from a reporter at a press conference after the reporter asked James Harden a China-related question. Take a look at this. Um, the NBA has always been a league that prides itself on its player and its coaches being able to speak out openly about political and societal affairs. I just wonder after the events of this week and the fallout we've seen whether you would both feel differently about speaking out in that way in future. It's a legitimate question. This is an event that's happened this week during, during the NBA. I, it, this particular question has not been answered. James. Did you hear the NBA spokesperson in the background? They claim the question is not basketball related. The biggest news story of the week is the NBA, the National Basketball Association, caving to China and apologizing because Houston Rockets general manager Daryl Morey supports democracy in Hong Kong. And a reporter is not allowed to ask about it because it's not basketball related. Is gun control basketball related? Is illegal immigration basketball related? Are Trump's tweets basketball related? Because you NBA spokespeople don't seem to have a problem with your players talking about all of that. But if you want a basketball related question, okay, how about... How many basketball stadiums worth of people have Chinese communists killed? And why are you, the NBA, caving to Chinese censorship and propaganda about freedom and democracy in Hong Kong? Here's the thing. The NBA will boycott North Carolina because there are no transgender bathrooms in Charlotte, but you're totally cool with the Muslim internment camps in China and the labor camps and the censorship and the communism? Oh, wait. Steph Curry claims... He didn't know about China's contributions to society. Take a look at this. I just don't know enough about Chinese history and, and that and what that how that's influenced you know modern society today um, and that interaction to speak on it. So that's just where we're at. And Steph Curry doesn't know the history of communist China. Really? Do you Google, bro? Either you're a terrible commentary on our school system or you are pretending to be ignorant so you don't have to answer for the fact that you cash a big fat paycheck from sponsors in a communist nation who is threatening to cancel your paycheck if you don't engage in their communist propaganda. But if you don't know about the history of China, here's a helpful reminder. In the past 70 years, 65 million people in China were killed thanks to Mao Zedong's socialism. Mao murdered teachers and professors and his Red Guards sometimes ate the people they murdered. Mao forced China into the worst famine in human history that killed more than 30 million people in the space of three years. In communist China today, religion is prohibited. News and social media is censored. Dissent or criticism of the government is punishable by imprisonment or death. Women are forced to undergo abortions if they violate the government-mandated one-child policy. One million Uyghur Muslims are imprisoned in internment camps where Chinese government officials harvest their organs to sell. Children are forced into slave labor in sweatshops, and 20 million Chinese people have been killed in labor camps since the 1950s. And now, China is trying to squash freedom and impose this communism on Hong Kong. And what are you going to do? Are you going to be woke 
only when it's safe? Are you only going to speak out about transgender bathrooms when you know you have nothing to lose? Are you going to be complicit in Chinese communist censorship and propaganda as long as you get your big fat paycheck? Or are you going to do the right thing and stand up for democracy and freedom and dignity for Hong Kong and say no to Chinese communism? And that's is my final point. This is Lou Benninger, and you're listening to the 29th episode of No Hostages Radio. And uh, this is on October 19, 2019. But you can listen whenever you want, <clears throat> whatever day you want, whatever time you want, because it's a podcast. And uh, we're still getting used to this. I did this uh, live radio for Oh, six years or so, and then we switched to a podcast. I lost a bunch of listeners in the way. They fell off the Lou Benninger wagon. They couldn't figure out this podcast thing, or they've never got onto it. Some people are really on the podcast, listen all the time to all kinds of podcasts, and some people think, oh, that, that sounds complicated. It's true of <clears throat> all changes in life, isn't it? I remember my grandmother uh, when they introduce automobiles, she just said, oh, that's too complicated for me. And so she just let people drive her around. She went from horse to buckboard to no car. So some of her sisters even didn't turn on to uh, cars. So um, that's life, isn't it? Some people never would use a computer. And some people haven't turned on to smartphones. And, and some old people just sit and stare at their smartphone all day. Well, uh, life is crazy, and uh, so if if you're trying to figure out this podcast thing, you know, they said uh, uh, friends don't let their friends do drugs or drive while drunk, but friends, uh, if you know how to hook up to Lou Benninger at the podcast, No Hostages Radio, help your friend get on there. Uh, some of my notice, uh, my friends that were listening regularly, they just look at me cross-eyed when I say podcast so there's a couple ways you can just explain it to your friends i don't know how you got here either you heard about our website you may have seen it in the territorial dispatch advertised but you can go to our website at nohostagesradio.com and just you can listen there to any of the episodes we've done all the way back to number one and you can also read my articles that i wrote uh, for the territorial dispatch i do two a week and so i've done that for many years you can read those if you're interested on in a particular topic. It, it actually, uh, Tanner Martis, who works out of Texas with me on this podcast, uh, does a great job at giving like a little intro about the podcast and an intro on the articles. So you don't even have to go there if you think, oh, I hate that topic. I don't want to listen to that or I don't want to look at that. It just drives me crazy. It gives me hives. So, uh so you can check that out, but you, you may have, you may be a podcast person or you may have a friend like my friend, Tim Farley. He drives back and forth to San Francisco every day. And, um, uh, my friend Dave Greenitz, uh, we're all mutual friends. He explained to Tim how to go on his 
his uh, smartphone and and just access the podcast. Uh, no hostages radio. You just go on the iTunes or Google and you Google podcasts and then look and then you put in no hostages radio. And if you connect with us, subscribe or something, then it will pop up on your phone. It'll ding you or something to tell you there's a new one there and you can listen to it or you can just go and listen to anyone you ever want. Uh, if you have some dead time and you want to fill it with this podcast. So someone mentioned to me the other night, they said, uh, of course, there are local folks here in Northern California where we broadcast from. Some of my friends, I live up here in uh, Marysville in Northern California, Yuba County specifically. And they'll say, Lou, we like the podcast because it's the only place we can get interesting local news. And uh, but that doesn't really work too well for some of the people that are like in Hagerman, Idaho, I'm just looking at Hagerman. Some of the ex-Marysville refugees, the refugees from Marysville, went over to Hagerman and settled in over there. It doesn't even have a thousand people. I was looking at the internet today. It said the median family income for Hagerman is about a hundred thousand people. I mean, a hundred thousand dollars. The median. Sorry, let me. I'm losing my mind. The median family, uh, the median cost of a house is just a little over a hundred thousand. Isn't that amazing? Think about what it's costing here in Northern California, which is the cheapest place to get a house. If you get up North here above Sacramento, um, but Hagerman, uh, median, median means in the middle, not average median family household, uh, will cost a little, just a little over a hundred thousand. I thought, well, that's interesting. I might need to know that someday. Um, uh, Hundred and three thousand five hundred. Oh, the population. I'm shocked. The Hagerman population has gone over eleven hundred. I'm just. It must be booming. You can find spots on the internet where they were pushing from six to eight hundred. So that's interesting. It sounds very interesting over there. Beautiful, beautiful. There's photographs on the internet. Uh, Lots of national parks. The Hagerman fossil beds. uh, The Malad or Malad. Gorge State Park. Uh, there's just it's just a beautiful place. Mountains, lakes. Uh, it says Hagerman, Idaho, a wonderland for all. I don't think you can say that for uh, the shit storm that's happening here in California right now. It's certainly not the Golden State. I think it's more like medium brown. Uh, but you, the interesting thing is you can go all over the Internet, find yourself another place to live. And what people are finding when they leave California is there's lots of beautiful places out there. I just was out in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, doing a tip training. And and the folks that were hosting me there, uh, the two people that run tip out there, one lady moved her family and her kids' families, all four families moved, bought houses out there got jobs out there in Asheville, North Carolina. And another lady that was her parents uh, were were refugees from the communist Cuba. She was raised in Florida and she said, I just hated Florida. And so she moved to Asheville, North Carolina and loves it. She's a beautiful person, got to know her. So um, People are on the move, and the middle class is on the move, and I don't know whether this is intentional by the liberals of the state of California, but it seems like they want the rich people for their taxes, and they want the poor people 
because uh, they can just get them to vote for them, keep them in office, and then give them welfare, free education, free food, free um, free housing, or very low-cost housing, and uh, just take care of them, right? And now they're even talking about subsidizing the transportation of low-income people as they take away gas-fired cars from the rest of us. So it seems like the people that feel... <clears throat> punished, persecuted, and unwanted here are the middle class who are still working hard to make a living, put their kids through school, clothe their kids, met, take their kid, take care of the kids medically. They're, they're picking up and moving on and finding happy days elsewhere. So I, I was talking to my friend from Asheville, North Carolina, and I was saying, well, tell, tell me about the difference from, from here in, uh, in Asheville and California. She said, Lou, we were living in San Diego. We had a beautiful house. We've been living there many, many years, so we took some of the—we had the advantages of Prop 13. We owned our own business. She said, I ran tip of San Diego. And she explained to me everything is cheaper and better in Asheville. There's, there's, no, there's no downside. The weather's good. Have a few snowstorms, but not much. It, you don't get the humidity at Asheville. People from all over the United States are moving into Asheville. It's booming. Maybe you don't like that, that booming sound. But uh, she said— Property taxes were way lower than California. Water, the water costs were incredibly lower than California. Uh, uh, let's see, housing costs, property taxes, water. Uh, I don't think we talked about sewer. They are on a septic tank where they are. But she said one of the th shocking things that I would have never expected to be different was our auto insurance. And she said when I got the quote from our new auto insurance person here in in Asheville, she said, I thought she misquoted me and only quote a week because she said we insure all our cars together, a bunch of cars. And she said, I thought maybe she had left off a few cars of our extended family off the one policy. And uh, she said, oh, no, no, that's it. I got it all. And she said the, the insurance back there for an auto is about a quarter of what it is back here in California. So, and of course, the DMV is amazingly, there's no place in the United States that has the DMV fees that we do. It's just incredible. The car, the fuel costs, the fuel taxes, the DMV fees, there's no comparison anywhere in the United States now. We have, we've achieved uh, notoriety. We're, we're number one. We're number one in the United States for all these crazy fees. And uh, so that's it. So I, oh, oh, oh let's see, uh, the Fritz family contacted me from Hagerman last week. I think I might have mentioned this. And they're near, uh, Hagerman is not too far from Twin Falls. In Twin Falls, the gas last week was $2.61 a gallon. I'm seeing gas all over the place at over $4 now. I kind of nose around and find something below $4 if you, if you work at it, right? So, uh that's that. I also got a, a contact by email from a gentleman who's 80 years old, lives in Marysville, California. That's where I live. And he's been emailing me because he's been living uh, in this area since 1976. <clears throat> and um, before that, he said he lived in Wheatland. He says, he says this, I just don't know what's going on. He's emailing me, right? On the nohostagesradio.com email, Lou at nohostagesradio. He emailed me, said, Lou, I don't know what's going on. I'm retired. I'm almost 80. I'm, I'm on Social Security. I just had my eyes fixed and supposed supposed to start on my hip. Uh, so I have some doctor bills. And now everything's going up. My home insurance has gone up about $50. So 
sewer has gone up. In fact, that just happened this month. If you're a resident of Marysville, they added $12 to your monthly uh, sewer bill. That's $144. The sewer service did not change at all. No better service. They just decided to raise the rates, $12 a month, because they always look at the surrounding area and they think, oh, there's room to move, so we don't want to give our people a good deal, right? Let's screw our people, just as they're getting screwed across the river. Same way with the water. We already get screwed here, so let's screw them on the sewer rate. So now just you woke up one morning, you went to bed one morning, went to bed one night, and it's $12 cheaper, woke up the next morning, $12 more, $144 out of your pocket. So this guy says my home insurance went up $50, sewer just went up, water has gone up, and today I found out my property tax has doubled from 700 to something like $1,529. Now, I'm going to contact this guy because I think there must have been a mistake here. It's already too high, and if it goes up anymore, I don't know what to do probably be a real problem when the overpriced car registration comes due plus this year i have to have the smog checked this is another scam in california every two years you have to have your smog checked now this started back when before you had the the smog efficient or fuel efficient cars we have now but they've just kept it it's just a scam to collect money it's another way it's a backdoor tax on car driving in California. The ultimate goal is to remove all cars from the road and chisel the, the roads up uh, so we can't drive down them and make, them, make everybody take a train. That's the goal. The goal is to move everybody out of the, the areas of Browns Valley, Dobbins, Oregon House, all in the foothills, move them down in the valley, stack and pack housing, get you off the roads, and rewild all that area and let it burn up every once in a while. And... Uh, have a third world nation utility company so that utilities come on every once in a while and go off every once in a while come on every once in a while go off every while. that's that's what we're headed towards so this guy writes he says he said the over plus he said i got the overpriced car registration comes due then he said his smog checks comes up he said i tried to keep my lawn green in marysville but the water bill got too high so now i have one of those brown lawns like you talk about on the radio if I ever have to move, I may end up on the street because of the high rent and deposits. Isn't that something? This guy's nearly 80 years old, probably worked somewhere all his life, served the community. He said, I've lived here, um, like I mentioned, that since 1976 in Marysville. Before that, I lived in Wheatland. I must be doing something wrong, but I don't know what it is. Well, I'm going to be talking to that guy and see if I can help that fella out. And but the, he he aptly described the situation in Marysville. We we're, we've lost our minds in Marysville. There's a spirit of stupid uh, over the leadership. It's been that way for decades. We, we're willing to go and spend four hundred thousand dollars to irrigate one park uh, when it could take about six or seven thousand dollars. Isn't that amazing? And and the the su suggestion to some people is well that's the way government does business and it's because it's government. It's like oh it's better. Or it's higher quality or something. Honestly, people, uh, we get one uh, during the Clinton administration. One person said we get what we deserve, right? We, the president is kind of a reflection of our society, right? We get what we deserve. That was back in the Clinton uh, screw every, you know, put your ding dong in every hole you could find. Uh, so uh, 
So that's in Marysville, California. Now, some of you folks, I know I got friends out of Missouri that are listening now and, and a few different states. I know you're feeling good over there, and I'm happy for you, actually. I'm happy that you got moved. I would move, but I think God wants me to stick here a while longer. But I'm happy you're there. But the, the concern I have is as Californians are just pouring into uh, Idaho, pouring into Nevada, into Arizona. You know, I, I saw a YouTube clip on a couple that moved out of uh, Southern California, and they just they just simply couldn't afford to live down there anymore. They liked it down there, but they moved in and they saved a thousand dollars a month on just their home. And immediately they became uh, wealthier because they got to keep more of their money. So that's the situation here in, in California. And uh, it's, it's sad. It's really sad, but that's, uh, that's what we're facing. So you, you can do something about it. Most people just want to whine nowadays. We just don't seem to have the, the fighter DNA that, that our forefathers had. Uh, most people, most men act like they're, they've been castrated. And uh, they just are whiners. You know, I just, uh, I, don't, I don't take the whiners whether they come in the female variety or male variety, but people are just whiners and lazy. And uh, they want to whine about everything, complain about everything, but they don't want to do anything about it. That's why when I was pushed to do this radio show, I turned it down many times before I did the podcast. And then I finally thought about my grandkids and I thought, well, I'm not going to whine. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to get on the radio and maybe I can influence a few people to do something. You don't have to believe what I believe. I don't really care. People, you know, some I lost some friends over this deal of uh writing articles in the newspaper and all that kind of stuff, but I really don't care. Uh, I'm going to, I'm, I have a perspective. It's my perspective. If it was your perspective, that'd be you, you to share. So if you want to, if some of these things enlightened you, good for you. If you hate it, there's thousands of podcasts and radio stations you can listen to instead of me. So you can go to recall Newsom, and I always misspell Newsom. I always add an E on the end, but it's, correctly it's recall newsom r-e-c-a-l-l-n-e-w-s-o-m recall newsom all one word dot dot u-s not dot com dot u-s not dot org dot u-s and they'll tell you how to download the uh petitions now you can't download the petition on an eight and a half by eleven you got to follow the rules or you just are wasting your time and money or you can you might nose around and you might find a place to sign where you're located and it's a statewide issue so um, one place you can go locally at church of glad tidings on saturday night and monday morning at when we have church out there church services we're we're signing people up right in the church service but you can go out to monty hecker's place at feather of a boulevard at 5548 feather of a boulevard at elite universal security and you can sign up right there. You don't need to download any petitions. You could pick up fresh petitions out there and go get some signatures of your neighbors. Listen, if everybody does something, like, for instance, if everybody that's fed up with California, fed up with Governor Newsom, and and you think, well, Governor Newsom can't change the whole thing getting rid of him, you got to start somewhere, right? you got to start somewhere. You want to you dig a garden? you got to put the, the shovel or the tiller in the ground somewhere to get rid of all them funky weeds. You got to start somewhere. Newsom is a great place to start. If we recall him, uh, that will be 
a great thing. So uh, go to Elite Universal Security, 5548 Featherer Boulevard. It's out in what I call Linda, West Linda, Featherer Boulevard. Or you could dial up out there at 749-0280, but you probably not, it, they appreciate you just not bothering them to just ask them questions about the petition. You can, you can register to vote out there. You can sign up for the uh, recall Governor Newsom. You can do it honestly in about, if you're already registered, you could do it in a minute or two and be on your way. Registration will take a couple more minutes. We, you can also register to vote out at Glad Tidings, uh, Church of Glad Tidings, 1179 Eager Road in Yuba City. For instance, if you showed up there during the week, there's office staff Tuesday through Friday. They'd register you to vote, and you could also sign the petition out there. Just talk to the secretaries, right? Church of Glad Tidings, Elite Universal Security. But up and down the state, if you just start Googling this recall, uh, or go to the, uh, I don't know whether the recall, um, uh, tells uh, where all the places are that you can sign up. You're just going to have to fuss around, lose, use a little ingenuity. But the thing is, if every person got out and, and, uh, like, uh, I took a petitions out to glad tidings, we've got probably between hundred and 200 signatures already. If you went down and got five or 10 around your neighborhood and turned them in, that's a huge thing. So everybody can do something. Uh, this is just going to get it on the ballot, the recall. Once we get it on the ballot, then then everybody in the state can get up and vote. Yes, I want to keep him. No, I don't. Or yes, I want to get rid of him. No, I don't. And then uh, if the uh, yes, I want to get rid of him win, then the people that would like to replace him, you get to vote for them at the same time. So one's conditional on the other, but you'll get to pick a replacement at the same time you pick eliminating Newsom. He needs to go no matter what happens in the state. So we're going to be right back. I'm going to play you a clip right now uh, about uh, uh, an Ocasio-Cortez news conference where a gal stood up and pulled a little prank on her. I think it was a prank, but it was interesting. If you see it on YouTube, the reaction of the people, they believed her 100% and they didn't shout her down. And she's talking about her her thinking that the way to solve uh climate change is to eat our babies check check this out i'll be right back i'm just gonna have a drink of tea and then i'll be right back This month, New York Representative Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez hosted a local meeting in Queens when a woman took to the microphone to address the climate crisis. So I think your next uh, campaign slogan has to be this, we got to start eating babies. We don't have enough time, there's too much CO2. All of you, you're, you're, you know, you're a pollutant. It was like a Saturday Night Live skit. Chicken Little is telling us we need to eat the babies taking this ridiculous climate change jargon to the next level. It had every earmark of being a spoof, but no one openly condemned her statements, leaving us unsure about whether the proponents of climate change think this insane philosophy is agreeable. We have to ask ourselves the question, what does it mean to call something crazy when everything is crazy? 
If you don't know better, propaganda espoused by the high priests of climate change like Khan, Cortez, Nye, or Gore might lead you to conclude that climate change programs are about saving the environment. But of course, you do know better. To be clear, the issue of whether or not the climate goes through changes has no significant weight. After all, the climate has been changing since the beginning of time. The real issues, the relevant issues are, are climate variances exceeding cyclical norms, and to what extent is it man-made? When more closely examined, it seems that exaggerated climate change has little to do with the environment, but has everything to do with communism versus free market capitalism. Consider this. Otmar Edenhofer, vice chair of the UN International Panel on Climate Change, says, One must say clearly that we redistribute the world's wealth by climate policy. Harvey Reuven, former vice chair of the International Council on Local Environmental Initiatives, made the claim individual rights will have to take a back seat to the collective in the process of implementing sustainable development. Are you catching these undercurrents of Marxism? Perhaps the most straightforward is David Foreman, founder of Earth First and director of the Sierra Club, who stated, We must make this an insecure and inhospitable place for capitalists and their projects. We must reclaim the roads and plowed land, halt dam construction, tear down existing dams, free shackled rivers, and return to wilderness tens of millions of acres of presently settled land. One way to identify climateers is by the changing terms they use. First it was global cooling, then it was global warming, next climate change, and now perhaps the most cryptic term, climate disruption. So. Every time there is a storm, hurricane, tornado, typhoon, you name it. Hotter, colder, wetter, drier, more snow, less snow. See, it's exactly what we've warned would happen. Their diagnosis is always the same. Spoof or not, Chicken Little is telling us that climate change is all about just what the proponents say it's about. A Marxist world economy that pledges no allegiance to America, Americans, or the Constitution. In fact, like a god, it desires and requires all others to pledge allegiance to itself. We would be better off acknowledging God's authority over government and the planet. We would do well to obey God, not play God. This is Jake McCauley and Dominic McCauley with the Institute on the Constitution bringing you The, the American, American View. <laughs> LeBron, LeBron, LeBron. You might want to look in the mirror when you call someone else out for not being educated about a world political issue, especially when the person you call out is an MIT graduate. Listen, as I've said before, just because you're educated doesn't make you intelligent about a topic. However, in this instance, James seemed to be more worried about the money flowing into the NBA and his own pockets than any injustice facing people on the other side of the world that doesn't register on his social justice meter. Slow your roll, a flop. Hey everybody, thanks for joining me once again on Out of Left Field for MRC-TV, I'm Nick Kingadis. LeBron James, who barely had to go through all four years of high school, wants the rest of us to know that Houston Rockets general manager Daryl Morey, who has a BA from Northwestern University and an MBA from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, that's MIT for those of you playing the home game, quote, wasn't educated on the situation at hand, unquote, concerning his now-deleted tweet showing support for the people of Hong Kong. The communist country of China was so furious over Mori's tweet that their $1.5 billion deal with the NBA is in a state of flux. Many from across the NBA have either remained silent on the issue or, like James, have come up with excuses for the totalitarian regime in China. 
Here's part of what James said. So we, we all talk about this freedom of speech. Yes, we all do have freedom of speech, but at times there are ramifications for the negative that can happen um, when you're not thinking about others and only and you're only thinking about yourself. So um, I don't believe, um, I don't want to get into a, a, word, a, a word or sentence uh, feud with Daryl. Um, but Daryl uh, Moray, but I believe he wasn't educated on, on, on the situation at hand, and, um, and he spoke. And uh, so many people uh, could have been harmed, um, not only financially, but physically, emotionally, spiritually. Um, so just be careful what we, what we tweet and we say and what we do, even though, yes, we do have freedom of speech, but there can be um, a lot of negative that comes with that too. James probably isn't saying that he supports communists. I don't think he's educated enough on the topic to do so, but it does seem like he's saying that he supports Chinese money rolling in to line his pockets. He might as well have just told Maury not to mess with his money. And what's this? I'm all in favor of anyone, athlete or non-athlete, being able to express what they believe in in a peaceful manner. And that's exactly what Colin Kaepernick is doing, and I respect that. <laughs> Quit lying, man. You are so full of... Maury's a non-athlete who expressed his belief in something in a peaceful manner, just like you said people should. But he said something that messes with LeBron's wallet, so he must have spoken out of ignorance, right? And is it just me, or was LeBron kind of passive-aggressive concerning the topic of freedom of speech? In the clip I showed you just a little bit ago, it seemed that both times he referenced freedom of speech, he spoke about it in a, in a yeah-but kind of way. Freedom of speech is great and all, but I'm not sure if he's educated enough to realize that this is the only country that has freedom of speech. And that's what LeBron and others in the NBA don't understand. Those people in Hong Kong that LeBron and the NBA want to ignore in favor of fat paychecks, yeah, they use symbols of the United States of America to convey to the world that they are fighting for freedom from a tyrannical government. The funny thing is that I don't even really need to explain James's comments. They pretty much speak for themselves, but LeBron felt like he needed to clarify his statement, which in the real world, not the one that the media and politicians have created in their own image, made his stance look even worse. Quote, let me clear up the confusion. I do not believe there was any consideration for the consequences and ramifications of the tweet. I'm not discussing the substance others can talk about that." Unquote. As for his clearing up on any confusion, we know you're not talking about the substance because I highly doubt that LeBron has any clue about the current Hong Kong conflict. That's why he's not discussing it. No, that tweet was talking about the money the NBA and LeBron receives from China. We already knew that. There was no need for a clarification because no one was confused. The only person that truly seems to be confused is LeBron. Here's his second tweet concerning his comments. My team in this league just went through a difficult week. I think people need to understand what a tweet or statement can do to others. And I believe nobody stopped and considered what would happen. Could have waited a week to send it. Wow, bro. LeBron might be one of the greatest players of all time, and he also does some really good charitable work. But man, does he look selfish in this tweet. You think you and the NBA went through a difficult week? People are being shot and killed. People are being put into camps. People have their government keeping track of their every move, placing social credit scores on them to restrict their lives if they fall out of their government-approved lines. All of those people, LeBron, 
Yeah, all of those people are in China and Hong Kong. You know, the people that make next to nothing to manufacture your shoes. James certainly doesn't come off looking any kind of good in this situation, and neither does the NBA. It doesn't matter how many statements NBA Commissioner Adam Silver comes out with backing free speech. His players, whether it's James or Houston Rockets star James Harden, are making the league's stance well known. Yeah, we apologize. Um, you know, you know, we love China. We love you know playing there. Uh, I know for, for both of us individually, we go there you know once or twice a year. Uh, they show us the most important love. So you know, we appreciate them as a fan base and. Uh, we love everything you know they're about. Now look, I'm not mad at James for being rich. Make as much money as you can while you can. But when enough of that money apparently comes from a communist government who persecutes people's freedoms regularly, maybe you could not be a hypocrite enough to talk about freedom for those you support over the freedom of those you don't even know. Also, you can make even more money than you've been making since you were 18 years old. If the NBA loses that authoritarian Chinese money, it looks like James is gonna need another revenue stream to host another one of his Taco Tuesdays. Stupid. After all, he's only reportedly worth $450 million. Nobody told me about her. Again, I, I failed to mention, along with the We Need to Eat Our Babies clip, uh, we had a clip on the fiasco that the National Basketball Association is going through called the NBA. I, I've watched the NBA. I love the NBA. I used to go to a lot of uh, Warrior games back, I don't know, 15, 20, 20 years ago, 20, maybe long, 30 years ago, maybe. I used to have a friend that had some tickets down near the floor. They weren't nearly as good as they have been the last few years. They they weren't really a competitive team, but it was always exciting to get down close and watch amazing athletes compete. And then I got I used to be able to go to the Kings games some and and uh, just enjoy watching great athletes in lots of different sports. I've been watching a lot of track and field uh, sprinters, and uh, these I, I particularly like the female athletes the sprinters they they are amazing and uh but anyway we're talking about the nba and the nba re recently got in a big problem you heard it here i played you about a five or six minute clip and and a guy made a comment he, i think it was seven or eight words uh tweet uh daryl morey with the he's a general manager highly educated guy at an mba from mit uh massachusetts institute of technology, very sharp guy, well-known um, general manager of the Houston Rockets, been very successful franchise. They haven't won uh, the uh, league or the uh, the championship, but they've been very, very competitive for m numbers of years. They've, they, they're a high-profile NBA team of all the group. So anyway, Maury just made a comment of, of about respecting the, the quest for freedom in Hong Kong, and it just caused in a tremendous meltdown uh in china and which which i guess spends about it means i don't know it's 1.8 billion dollars uh but but the other thing that it, that the uh the greater impact that few people are talking about is the impact on on nike nike is the is making uh big money out of china 
like 20, 30, 40 billion. And uh, it's an Oregon company. And uh, Nike can jerk the strings of the NBA just like China can. And so everybody fired on Maury to the extent I thought, oh, well, good for you, Maury, because uh, this is Daryl Maury, because uh, I've been over there and I work with people in China. I've worked with people in Vietnam and Laos, and it's uh, it's a totalitarian regime. And uh, what's going on here is uh, these people, if if you want to. If you want to really know what's going on, you you got to go and, and study what happened in 1989 at the Tiananmen Square and the murder of thousands of students. And uh, and then the on, ongoing persecution, religious persecution of all people of different faiths, whether it's the Falun Gong, whether it's Buddhist, whether it's uh, the Muslim or whether it's Christian, uh, they have been persecuted, and what I mean by that is not just given a hard time. They've been incarcerated for many, many years. I've, I've actually met people who have been incarcerated for over 25 years and then released. Some people are being killed in prison uh, not because they've been disobedient, but they needed their organs because they're selling organs to people around the world that need a liver, need a kidney, need a heart, need a lung, need something. They do a DNA match and, and murder the prisoner uh, so they're able to get a live organ before they take them completely out. If you uh, if you uh, think that I'm uh, been smoking weed here this morning, you can look up the book The Slaughter by a guy named Gutman. Uh, he's a highly respected journalist, uh, international journalist. Uh, it's a very uh, it's a thoroughly researched book. Lots of testimony from refugees from China that actually worked in hospitals where they were harvesting organs from prisoners. Anyway, I'm not going to spend the whole program on this. I'm just saying that uh, when when you listen to pitiful cases like Steve Kerr, who who's the coach of the, the Warriors, I, I feel bad for Steve Kerr. I think he's a bright guy. He's a great coach. I think he's probably a, a really decent guy. Um, his dad was assassinated by the, uh, the uh, Muslim radicals in Lebanon. He was the president of, a, of Amer- I think it was called American University there. And was, you know, was taken out, shot in the head. And uh, I don't think Steve ever has sorted that all out, but, but it, he is, uh, he's got a flat spot on the brain. And uh, he, he should have just kept his mouth shut and had no comment, but, but he just acted really stupid. So did Steph Curry. Steph Curry is an educated guy, a Christian guy. Uh, you know, no matter what faith we are, we can be stupid on certain topics when we don't know what we're talking about. We should just keep our mouth shut. In fact, the Bible says in Proverbs, if a person keeps his mouth shut, people actually assume you're more intelligent than when you start speaking. So uh, then you had LeBron James, who honestly never even, he just finished, I don't even know whether he graduated high school. Uh, They took him uh, into the NBA because he was so amazing as an athlete. He didn't even go to college. So I'm not saying LeBron James isn't a very smart guy, but he's He's very stupid on international relations, and to say he does, they the, all these guys saying they don't know anything about China. Uh, honestly, that's a really sad and pitiful thing to say. But uh, what the NBA is really being controlled by is greed, and uh, it's interesting. It's sad when people are controlled by greed. I've never really had a problem with money. I've never had a lot of money, and and haven't really needed a lot of money or wanted a lot of money because. My uh, my desires are simple in that area. 
So, uh, but I feel bad for people who have lots of money and want lots more and lots more and lots more. And it's kind of like a monopoly game. Who has the most houses and hotels? And it's, uh, the Bible says it's a, uh, it's a pitiful thing to fall in love with money. Uh, it says it's the, actually the love of it is the root of all evil. Now, it's interesting when you're willing to play uh, a sport that people drool over you, and the only thing you're doing is really putting a round ball through a round hoop, and you do it really well. And so then that makes you a spokesman on world affairs, and we give you some sort of credentials for that, a credibility. And it's it's sad when people, or maybe you you're really good at, at acting like you're somebody else, which a lot of people, that's what people in Hollywood do. They pretend they're somebody else and they do it so well that we, we like the movies. But then the problem is then we, the, we overlay onto them the, um, that somehow maybe they played like they were president of the United States in a movie. And then pretty soon we listen to them as if they were president of the United States or a very bright person. And they, they, or they were, maybe they played, they were a great businessman, but in real life, they're an idiot. So, uh, it's sad that, that we as individuals cast upon these people, this credibility and credentials that they, they really shouldn't have. So when the media asked them a question, instead of just keeping their mouth shut and said, I, I don't have any comment on that, leave it. They, they make a half-assed comment and really just makes everything worse. So the NBA, there's, I don't care whether they have. 10,000 news releases. It all comes down to this. It's all about the money. So uh, I, I just wanted to finish up and comment on that. And uh, so I want to uh, thank uh, Elite Universal Security, Monty Hecker, for his ongoing support of this this operation here uh, because we, we couldn't run without his or a few people's support because it pays the basic cost of going on the air, as we say, and going on the internet and going on podcasts and having emails and all that kind of stuff. So uh, thank you uh, guys out at uh, Elite Universal Security. They are uh, a sharp operation that uh, protects people's stuff, people and their stuff. Um, and uh, they secure events and they secure businesses and residences and farms all the way up and down northern california all the way the, uh, to the oregon border and even into oregon so if you need some help and and figuring out how to keep your stuff your stuff or your people your people uh, you can give them a call at 530-749-0280-530-749-0280. They're operating 24 hours a day. They'll always answer your call out there. Uh, or you can go on their website at api-academy.com. Now, there's eliteuniversalsecurity.com as well. But api-academy may get you, if you're interested in a job, they will they will hire you, they will train you and hire you uh, or if you're interested in some courses that will prepare you for law enforcement, they will uh, put you through some courses. They show those courses online there, and uh, then you can actually some of them they tell me you can take online. You don't even know you need to show up at the location here in Yuba County. So they're they're looking for part time and full time people. They also have uh, they have ongoing every month. They have at least one or two weekends where they're doing. Uh, concealed weapon or exposed firearm courses 
and uh, then they have, they have the classroom and the range, uh, and they're doing this this uh, October, this month, and on October 26 and 27. You can sign up for that and uh, get involved. They also offer some taser classes and pepper spray classes. So some I know a lot of ladies maybe that don't want a gun. They would like to know how to use taser or a taser or pepper spray. So you could call them and ask them when their next class is. They usually want a, a certain minimum number of students. Uh, so you could call and just say, you know, sign me up for the next one you have. Whenever you're going to do one, include me and see if you can get enough people to do it. 749-0280. All right. So let me get back into some topics here. Um Let's see where I want to go. Um, so we every week there's there's another uh, incredible fast moving uh, decision made by Gavin Newsom. This state, I, I guess I'm being surprised uh, routinely now by this state. I, I used to use uh, I used to call it. Calazuela, California. This state is quickly moving to be a socialist government, and it's doing it uh, through edict, through Gavin Newsom's decisions, executive decisions, through uh, not enforcing certain laws and then creating new laws that will uh, change the way we do business in California, where they're now managing not only what you do, but what you think, what you say. You can be arrested. Uh, they're they're taking away our rights left and right, um, and they are putting into place a highly controlled system of government, which is called totalitarianism. It's socialism, and uh, usually, before people know it, it's already been in place, and then things start to fall apart. And so, a country like Venezuela that if you'd gone back to the late 80s it was the uh one of the top economies in the world and certainly in South America and if you would have said to them back then uh in 10 years uh you're going to be eating your pets you're going to be eating zoo animals uh, the average weight loss in Venezuela will be 20 pounds millions will have fled across the border there won't be enough medicine there won't be enough food people will actually uh, not you know you know how people hit over a bank truck hauling hauling money they hit they hit and stop trucks uh moving down the highway over there they block the highway and storm the trucks and steal all the food down before they can get to the market over there in venezuela they're starving uh, people are eating out of dumpsters, people are eating, eating, they're picking through garbage. People that are, were used to be fully employed people. The oil industry, which is the, one of the most prolific oil industries in the world, been taken over by the government, is so collapsed that they now have to import fuel, gasoline into the country. So what's happening is, is there is a, is a complete collapse, and the policies of Venezuela are the same policies that are being, uh, integrated into our society now recently government uh Gu excuse me gavin newsom the governor uh signed uh a law that um 
because uh, on all the college campuses that are run by the state of California, now abortion will be offered on all college campuses free of charge. But he vetoed uh, a highly controversial bill, AB 624, which would have mandated that student identification cards, like when I went to college, I had a student ID. Um, and uh, But he's, he's talking about uh, mandating that student ID cards of children, not just college students, children 7 to 12 at public schools and charter schools, like I guess I, haven't, I, I didn't know they all had IDs, but I guess they do. At our, at our public schools, even charter public schools, that on these uh, on these uh, ID cards, the bill would have printed on them a telephone number for a local resource that provides sexual and reproductive health care information. So uh, it's interesting where government merges with the private sector and begins to endorse certain businesses or services over others called crony capitalism. Uh, but it's really a takeover. What's what we're seeing here is a step-by-step takeover of the government uh, by the government of private businesses. And so in his veto, which shocked a lot of people, Newsom says, I'm not persuaded that schools have the appropriate expertise to decide which of these organizations they should direct their students to. For instance, the, the, his concern was, uh, I'll just speak locally here, the premier um, resource for women with a crisis pregnancy or an unplanned pregnancy or concerns about the pregnancy is the a woman's friend located on Live Oak Boulevard in Yuba City that's always provided for the last 25 years free uh, services to ladies and their partners and uh, about about a pregnancy etc so Newsom's fear fear would be that the local school system for instance in Yuba and Sutter County would put a woman's friend phone number on the card versus as opposed to an abortionist right Planned Parenthood so it wasn't so he says further i believe the time and money that would be spent on this activity would be better used improving teaching and learning as well as meeting the existing requirements of the California Healthy Youth Act which is all about abortion and screwy uh, sexual stuff okay so um Randy Thomason was was savecalifornia.com uh, says uh Apparently, Gavin Newsom fears that the science proving that babies are human beings from conception and that STDs are transmitted through irresponsible behavior is winning the war on medical accuracy. To to get this veto, uh, because Newsom didn't want a pro-life organization's phone number on the back of some student ID. Uh, so anyway, the idea is it's abortion or nothing in the state of California, right? Uh, so it's interesting that neither Planned Parenthood, according to Newsom, nor pro-abortion California Teachers Association officially supported the Democrat-authored bill, demonstrating that they didn't think it pushed abortion strongly enough. In other words, these pro-abort organizations wanted a stronger push to force kids to go get abortions and go, go get uh, sexual help at these nefarious groups like Planned Parenthood. Uh, So that's that. And uh, 
So Newsom has done a couple vetoes, but but here's the situation. We are quickly, really quickly, uh, moving on. I I, I uh, well, I was at the CHP the other day. I was giving a talk for uh, trauma intervention program, and I was killing some time because they weren't ready to start yet. So I was looking on the wall, and they were, you know, like any law enforcement office when they when they want you to really pay attention to something, they put uh, how to on the bulletin board, like make sure, hey, make sure you fill this out correctly, this form, or maybe there's a change in the law. They're they're visual uh, education items for the troops, right? So. So they said, if you find at an accident scene, if you find a, a gun in the back of the vehicle, which people sometimes carry guns in their trunk, right, legally, and so say so they take guns in, in for state safekeeping. They do at the sheriff's department when somebody dies in a home and maybe they have a number of guns, they might take them into the department for safekeeping. Uh, so someone wouldn't come and steal them and then use them. So anyway, here's the new law on safekeeping by law enforcement of guns when you're when you're ready you get out of the hospital or you're coming back to get your guns you can't just go pick them up you can't go get your guns anymore even though they were they were your guns you didn't commit a crime you just got in a car accident the gun happened to be in the car for instance or maybe it's in your house now you got to file a, a, a request through the department of justice which costs a lot of money and takes weeks of time. They didn't even state the exact number of, time, uh, number of days because they, they said it takes a long time, weeks, to get your guns back. And you have to, if they find that the gun isn't registered to you, for instance, maybe it was given to you before registration was even necessary. Or there's, you know, in other words, you got to jump through the, all the registration hoops to see if you can even have that gun. It's amazing. This is the back, uh, back door to taking away your guns. So if you ever get in a predicament where the, the cops have to come into your house, like someone dies, or you get in a car accident and you, you have your weapon and your ammo, they're going to confiscate all that. And then you normally in the old days, you just go get it back. Thank you very much. Thanks for getting that for me. But now it's not the cops. It's not the CHP. It's the government that's saying they can't do that anymore. And they're overruling them. And they say, by law, in other words, these people are law enforcement. That's all they are. They're not legislators. They just have to enforce. They have to enforce the law if they want to keep their job. So to get that, they have to tell you, well, you're going to have to fill out these forms and then you're going to have to send them in and you're going to, have to pay all these fees to the Department of Justice. It's just incredible. I was just shocked reading it on the bulletin board the other day. So we're going to take a break right now. We're we're just finishing our second segment. And we just went through uh, Christopher Columbus Day, uh, which is now controversial. So check this out about the truth on Christopher Columbus, and we'll be right back. All right, Sarah, talk to me about uh, some of the misguided revisionist history that the left pushes on this day. We are seeing more and more cities and states across America, seven additional cities right here in California, who are ditching Columbus Day in favor of Indigenous Peoples Day. What are these leftists missing? Well, it's actually incredible. We even have in the District of Columbia, the place 
of course, named after Christopher Columbus that's being ditched now. The, the city council held an emergency session uh, to get rid of Columbus Day, which I think is quite incredible and sums up this movement. And I think you summed up a lot of the, the things quite well. And this idea that Columbus was a, some kind of genocidal maniac, uh, that he intentionally came because of greed, that he came because he was selfish, he was looking for gold in a new world, and that he was somehow this mass murder. I think this, there's even uh, Bay Area schools that just reported that they're holding murder trials for Christopher Columbus and, of course, all these absurdities. And I think the, the, the record of Columbus, in fact, is very different, especially when you consider the age in which he lived. He was in the 1490s. Conquest of other people was very common. Columbus actually stood out as somebody who was more humanitarian, you could almost say, than many of his contemporaries. It was often the Spanish who sailed under him who often sometimes got out of control, and he went and punished them quite severely. In some sense, Columbus's failure was not as an explorer. He's a world-famous explorer, and I think his legacy, I think, deserves to be celebrated. But as a governor, he wasn't quite as good. And in fact, he got attacked by many of the Spanish who served under him. In fact, on his third voyage, he got brought back in chains because, of course, he had a political rival who tried to get rid of him. And unfortunately, a lot of those accounts have come to us today. Uh, and that's the reason that many, especially left-wing historian Howard Zinn, brought these accounts back because he wanted to attack America itself. He thought this, the new world was founded on capitalism and all these terrible isms. And unfortunately, this is going through all of our schools today. This is what the youngest generations believe. Right, so talk to me a little bit about the truth about the history. So one of the main things, and this of course is um, part of the purpose of the left, they want to paint Columbus as this imperialist oppressor to sort of delegitimize the founding of America. But why did, why did Christopher Columbus sail to the new world? What was he looking for and for what purpose? Uh, he was looking for a new passage to Asia, quite frankly, uh, uh, quite a, a bold trip. Uh, eventually, he, he got his, his trip that, to go to what he thought was Asia at the time, ended up discovering something, I think, far greater, which was the New World. And the reason that he was doing that was because the Middle East routes at the time had been cut off. The fall of Constantinople had happened uh, 50 years before because of Muslim conquests at the time, and it was simply impossible to get to Asia for many. It was a very difficult trip. Uh, Columbus wanted to spread, frankly, Christianity, even his name that comes from the Christ-bearer. Uh, he believed that he was spreading Christianity to new lands. He thought it was Asia. It ended up being the Americas. And, of course, he opened up this new world. And, frankly, it's the world we have today. The map that we see is there because of Christopher Columbus, who took that incredibly brave and bold journey with four ships barely 40 feet long into the dark of the Atlantic in that deadly two-month voyage uh, and opened up a new world. And I think that's an incredible achievement that he deserves to be celebrated for, not condemned. today. Uh, this passage in the Bible that says, <clears throat> don't rejoice in the uh, calamity that may befall your enemy. Well, even though I disagree with a lot of people, I don't really consider them my enemy, and I wish people well. And uh, that's why I think I've stayed in good health all these years. I don't, I'm not bitter. I'm not a bitter person. And I don't hold, hold grudges. And um, so I I, when I saw this, uh, this incident happened, 
I thought, I've been waiting for these things to happen. Let me explain what I'm talking about. <clears throat> when, when liberals make laws that put us all in danger, like where they don't want to uh, screen people coming into this country, whether they're terrorists or illegals or they're molesters or murderers, we have a right to pick and choose who comes into this country to stay. If they're diseased, if they're criminals, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I won't go into all the details, but we have a right to do that. Countries have a right to do that with us, and they do that. I, I travel some, and they ask questions, right? And if they don't want me to come, uh, they can say thanks but no thanks. And I'm, I don't have hard feelings over those things. They have a right to do that. They can run their country the way they wish. So, um, so we have that situation and then we have the sanctuary state or the sanctuary city situation where known criminals are being released by law enforcement who are told by politicians to not cooperate <clears throat> with the federal government, uh, Homeland Security or ICE, which is your immigration and customs enforcement. Uh, even though those people should be held and deported. So they, they, they actually work against ICE. They release them and don't tell ICE and, and let them free before ICE can get there. And I've just been wondering that if uh, Gavin Newsom's, one of Gavin Newsom's kids, or one of Nancy Pelosi's grandkids, or somebody in some of these politicians that are so cocky, and so brash and have all these armed guards around them and drivers, protective drivers with chauffeurs and have all these gated communities they live in or walled in houses. They have all this protection. But I, I wondered if some of them could sustain some losses, maybe it would change their view on what everybody else has to face. Right. So. Like, for instance, when Robert Bendorf, the county administrator of, of Yuba County, he put a homeless shelter where they put people in basically fancy dog sheds, tool sheds. He, they did it without any permit, without any consultation with the neighborhood. Uh, they violated all kinds of building codes that if I did, they would arrest me and fine me. But they did that, and he doesn't even live in this community. So he foisted that upon us, uh, and so we face all kinds of crazy people shooting drugs down here in my neighborhood near there, and uh, it has no real impact on them. In fact, the supervisors, most of the supervisors that made that decision don't even live where they put that, and they didn't give us any input on where we wanted to, whether we want to put that in our neighborhood or not, right? So uh, so we have right now in back of me that's become notorious for camps. I call it Camp Popeye, where people are back there. They've tagged the whole area up. They've uh, throw their garbage back there right over my fence. It's just a mess, right? But, but they, they, uh, they didn't ask my opinion. So in this situation, I felt sorry that this guy got killed. But he's a man that called Donald Trump a racist. He's mocked him, uh, and I'm just going to tell you about it. It says, a man who slammed Trump for being racist and for a racist immigration policy is killed by an illegal immigrant. I'm sad that he died, but 
I'm, I'm thankful uh, that at least somebody that's high profile uh, and this illegal immigrant who has been is a criminal. And I'm just going to tell you about it. He says, so a man criticized Trump's immigration policies in the name of progressive Christianity was killed last week by an undocumented immigrant who avoided deportation by hiding in a local sanctuary church. I love this article. This is what's going on, and and there's been thousands of people hurt, molested, and killed. But until you hurt, molest, kill the right people, it doesn't make any difference because people just turn their head, people in authority. Sean Buchanan, a father of five from Colorado Springs, was driving his motorcycle on Highway 83 when Miguel Ramirez Valiente swerved into his lane and killed him. The immigrant was charged with reckless driving with a revoked license. A lot of the immigrants, folks, uh, simply don't agree with you need to obey the law. The United States has been, over the centuries, uh, a people of the law, and we we obeyed the law. If you run into somebody, you stop, you exchange insurances and stuff. Now, nowadays it's not so the the honor isn't there like it used to be, but we're people of the law bit. Basically the immigrants are not, they don't do that in China. They don't do that in, in many other countries. They just, if they get in a wreck, if something happens, they flee. Valiente received national media coverage in January when he sought sanctuary in the All Souls Unitarian Universalist Church in Buchanan's hometown. Speaking from the pulpit, he told the assembled reporters that he had a red, he had fled gang violence in El Salvador in 2005. He said he wanted to stay in the United States to care for his wife and three children, even though his asylum application was denied. So he, he's already violated the law once, now he violated the law twice. So in a sympathetic report at the time, CNN said Ramirez Valiente was one of about 50 immigrants who had tried to avoid U.S. Immigration Customs Enforcement by living in the church. However, when he killed Buchanan, Valiente was driving with a suspended license thanks to a 2018 DUI. He was also arrested for reckless endangerment in 2011 and domestic violence in 2016. A district attorney dismissed both charges. After the crash, a close female acquaintance anonymously told ABC Channel 7 in Denver that Ramirez Valiente is an alcoholic and an abuser. Sean Buchanan was a liberal immigration activist. And I know some of them around here in my area. They think incarcerating an illegal alien is inhumane. That's what they think. In the years leading up to his death, Buchanan publicly advocated on behalf of asylum seekers like Valiente. On Facebook and Twitter, he shared political commentary rooted in liberal vision of Christianity. Uh, Buchanan, who formerly worked for a Christian app company called Aware three often retweeted posts of late progressive evangelical writer, Rachel even held. Uh, I won't get it. In 2016, Buchanan recommended an article to his Twitter followers comparing Trump to Adolf Hitler. Days later, he tweeted that his president's hardline approach to immigration uh, was racist and ignorant. 
He said, I used to think that racism and ignorance on, on the scale, uh, on this scale, just die off with the older generations. But he says it continues to be handed down. The article says Trump has sought to crack down on undocumented immigrants like Valiente who ignore their deportation orders. Last month, the president made such immigrants the focus of his national immigration raids, which were widely criticized by people like Buchanan. Buchanan had recently landed a new job in Denver and was moving his family to nearby Castle Rock when his fatal collision occurred. His wife, Kathy Buchanan, told the station that her husband was a devoted family man. She set up a GoFundMe account. It's interesting to me when people can't pay for their, to bury their own people. Is that weird to you? I, I just find it interesting that somehow I'm, I'm responsible to pay for everybody's burials. And she has to figure out how to move forward. It's, uh, anyway. I don't wish evil upon people like this or, or tragedy. I don't. Anybody. But on one hand, I think, hey, if people are going to push these, uh, these people, elected officials and appointed officials who are going to mandate dangerous situations upon us, for them to live in a gated community or up in a nice community where, like, Robert Bindorf lives, and yet we have crazy stuff going on down in our city right now in Marysville, I just think it's evil. I think, and, and think, oh, my God, you're calling our politicians. Yeah, I call their actions evil, right? When they do things, it's interesting. They pass all these laws. Oh, you can't paint your house unless you paint it this color. Oh, you can't, you can't fix that crack in your sidewalk unless you pay us a fee. Every time you want to fart around here, you got to pay the government a fee. Why? And then when they want to do something, they just go out and do it. They, they waive all kinds of uh, environmental stuff. They'll, they'll, they'll create a pond. They got an open pond over here by this uh, homeless camp they created over here. And oh, they they pat themselves on the back, take photos of each other, scratching each other, slapping themselves on the back on how they're just saving lives over there, just saving lives. I think if every one of them, they, you know, would really mean a lot to me if he, all the supervisors would just simply adopt a homeless family and take them in into their house. Now, last night I was coming home from the gym because some of my friends said, Lou, you need to get back in the gym, dude. You're looking bad. So I've been over at the gym, and I was coming home late, and a guy walked out in the street in front of me. And uh, it was dark. He he was dark. He's dark-skinned, and he had dark clothes on. And I thought, man, I need to pay attention. I may have run over that dude. And and I, he got my headlights. I, I knew this guy from somewhere, and he knew me. And he knew where he said, oh, I know you from the jail. And he says, I said, what are you doing? I said, what are you out? What are you out? And I could tell he was high. And I said, where are you living? He said, I'm living in the river bottoms. I said, why are you living under the bridge? He says, I don't have a place to live. I said, why don't you live at the rescue mission? Here's the exact words. Too many rules. Now, the day before, another guy that I'd met in jail that I knew when he was in juvenile hall, he said, can I contact you when I get out? So he contacted me on Facebook. The other night, he said, I need 68 or 69 dollars to try to raise 60 to get off the street and go in 
So, in other words, every day he's trying to hustle enough money to get a hotel room. $70, $80 for a hotel room probably, right? And he said, I really need a job. Can I come and work for you today? I said, I'm busy. I'm, I'm working myself, so I don't have any, I can't put you to work. I said, go to one stop, which is, if, if you're not familiar with that, in California, each county has some sort of a centralized places where, place where you can figure out, help, they'll help you get a job. I said, go to one stop, and you need to get a job. And I said, go to the rescue mission stay. I never heard from him again. So people say, oh, yeah, this homeless thing, it's impossible to solve because, you know, the, the situations are just so impossible and we need, to just, we need to just go and rent houses for people. I thought, this is ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. Both those guys are able-bodied. There's not a thing wrong with either of those guys. They're both in probably in their late 20s or 30 at, at the outside. They both are healthy men, and they're both using drugs. And they won't go to the rescue mission because there's too many rules. What, you can't shoot dope in there? You got to get up at a certain time, right? You got to take a shower. It's like, and so, you know what we do in the city of California? We fund that. We'll give these guys general relief that we, they should not get a nickel from the government. And so that's what's going on. We just got this stupid pill in the state of California and we're constantly uh, funding uh, the disaster that, uh, that we face. Uh, so let me t- talk also, I want to mention uh, in, our, in our county, in Yuba County, and probably in your county, wherever you're here listening from, uh, your county government, some states don't, did you know some states don't even have a sales tax? Some states don't have an income tax. We have everything in California. Uh, so in, in this county, your county or your jurisdiction, your city or your district, if you're in a fire district, water district, whatever, they, they have a, it's lawful for them to raise your taxes with a vote of the people. So the city of Marysville pulled that off. They tried it twice in a row. Finally, the second time around, they lied enough to get a 1% sale tax increase in the city of Marysville. Now the the county uh, lied and pulled, at least they got a positive vote. They got a majority of the voters to say okay on Measure K, but it was actually an illegal vote that we claimed all along. It should have been a two-thirds vote of the populace because it was described as a special fund vote. And uh, and Judge Steve Barrier of the Stephen Barrier of the Yuba County Superior Court agreed that, that the ordinance was uh, faulty. And the vote should have been two-thirds for the tax to be started. But in the state of California, even though you have a a disputed tax, if the tax starts, uh, they have to start collecting it. And ultimately, you know who gets it? The very people who pulled the shenanigan get to run off with the money. It's like somebody steals your stuff from your house, and they catch them, and they say, well, we caught them. Yeah, they did it, but they get to keep your stuff anyway. It's just thievery. It's criminal behavior. So we've been keeping track since April of 2019. The tax has been collected, an additional 1% if anything is purchased in Yuba County or if anybody purchases a car anywhere in the whole world that lives in Yuba County, they have to pay this extra 1%. And so since April up until October 17th, 2019, they have set aside $1.6 million 
they being the state of California and Yuba County, they've taken that money out of the pockets of hardworking Yuba County residents. Yuba County residents are some of the poorest people in the 58 counties. And they thought that the government uh, wanted to take this money and pay pay their government employees 100000 and paying those kind of wages for the rest of their born days till they assume room temperature and we cremate them or bury them and give them and say some words over them. They get paid those kind of dollars all the way to the end. And uh, while the rest of us live on 30 Household, I mean, median household income in Yuba County is, I don't know, dollars $40,000, $50,000, right? And so they're taking an additional, they've taken an additional, this is coming out conservative. This is a, we're underestimating, if anything, $8,000. Every day that goes by, they're pulling 8000 more out of our pockets that could have been used for teaching our kids to play music instruments, feeding our kids, taking care of the medical for our kids. My friend, my 80-year-old friend over here in, in East Marysville could have been used to pay his high water bill. You know, it's interesting. He said he has a brown lawn in Marysville. You can't hardly find. My lawn's green. I have one of the few lawns in Marysville that's green because I'm just not going to concede. And I just, I'll. my friend has a two-acre lot in Asheville, North Carolina, $30 a month. I pay $100. I pay over $100 a month. My, my lot literally... Uh, if you parked cars on this lot and pushed the house over, you couldn't get but about three cars in here. It's unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. And uh, so when I was growing up in Marysville, you, it would be shocking if you found a brown lawn or, or dying uh, shrubs. It would just be a shock. You just think people have abandoned that home. That's a shame. What a terrible thing. Now they all look abandoned. They all look horrible. Right. It's all because of a cockeyed government. We got we have ruling over us. So, uh, OK, Measure K, we're waiting for this thing to go to the appeal court. And uh, I don't know when that's going to be, but every day, it's just like when you stand at the gas pump and watch that ticker go around and around and around and around and around, pay drop sixty dollars for filling your car, eighty, forty dollars, sixty dollars, whatever it is. And you know that if you were uh, across the border, it would be a third less. A third less. It's amazing, isn't it? A third less. And the money that's being taxed by the state of California is not even going to fix your roads. You know what's going towards? Mechanisms to take your car off the road to stop fossil fuels. They're going to eliminate all the refineries in California. They're going to, you're, you're not even, the only, the only refueling spot you're going to see around here is place to plug in an electric car. And if you don't have one, you're either going to hop on a bus or walk or bicycle. And if you can't get to your job, so what? They really don't care. Um, so we're going to play a clip right now. This is a great clip talking with Matt Getz, uh, who is a, congressman out of the state of florida i think he represents fort Walt, walton beach and pensacola which are you know if, if there's any place in florida that's decent that those areas are beautiful i've been down there a couple times there was a tip program down there once 
So Matt, uh, Matt Getz explains the Ukraine fiasco. Uh, and we'll be right back. I'm just going to get wet my throat down and we'll, we'll just push on here today. All right. Thank you, Madam Speaker, and the transcript has now been released in the phone conversation between President Trump and President Zelensky, and the evidence is clear, unfortunately, that the Speaker of the House of Representatives has been functionally catfished into a politically fatal impeachment proceeding based on rumors, based on faulty evidence, and based on a bloodlust for the President politically that does not serve our nation well. Let me give you the high points. There is no quid pro quo between President Trump and President Zelensky for anything, much less military aid. There is no eight times a reference to Joe Biden. I think the Wall Street Journal will have a good deal of retracting to do today. And in fact, President Zelensky himself identifies the rooting out of corruption as the reason for his election. Early on in the conversation between President Trump and President Zelensky, President Zelensky says, we here in the Ukraine are trying to drain the swamp much in the way you are working to drain the swamp in the United States of America. This wasn't a call about leverage. This wasn't a call about threats. This was a mutually appreciative and mutually laudatory call between two leaders who are trying to clean up some of the garbage in their respective countries that is polluted politics. Now, the president does ask for a favor from President Zelensky, but the favor is on behalf of our nation. The favor we seek is cooperation between the Zelensky government and Attorney General Bill Barr as we work to determine what activities in the Ukraine may have been in any way involved in the 2016, not 2020, but in the 2016 efforts to interfere with the United States election. The president even references CrowdStrike, attempting to get to the bottom of these improper actions, which again, may have emanated in the Ukraine. And John Solomon with The Hill has got a great deal of reporting on that very question. Zelensky ran against corruption. And thus, it would be only appropriate that in a conversation about that election victory, they would discuss and reference what are obviously mutual goals between the United States and the Ukraine to have the world safer for democracy. Now, the president also mentions Mayor Rudy Giuliani. And let me be clear about this. Mayor Giuliani has every right to go to the Ukraine and try to ascertain whether or not activities in that country were harming his client as a result of the con corrupt connections which may have existed between the DNC and some elements in Ukraine. I feel like we've been here before. House Democrats told us it was all about collusion. We had to wait for the Mueller report. Well, when the Mueller report falls flat on collusion, then it's all about obstruction of justice until Robert Mueller comes and testifies and that falls flat. Then it's all about abuse of power until the Democrats go to court and are unable to make the case in court that there's been an abuse of power. And now, lo and behold, it's all about the Ukraine. Well, you know what? I saw this movie as it related to Russia. I didn't like it very much, and I doubt I'm going to enjoy the cheap Ukrainian knockoff. The speaker has embraced these concerns, and I fear that 
her embrace of impeachment does great damage to the House of Representatives because there may be a time where we have to solemnly exercise our impeachment powers because there is true crime or corruption and the Speaker's actions have embarrassed the United States Congress and they harm our entire country. President Zelensky in this call indicates that he will conduct an investigation into corruption. It's a promise not only that he made to President Trump, but that he made to his own citizens. And in that promise, President Zelensky says that any investigation will be both open and candid. Open and candid investigations of corruption, of election meddling. I sure would like to see that level of candidness and openness in our House of Representatives. And certainly my greatest hope is that the Attorney General's investigation into the corrupt origins of the efforts to smear the President of the United States will be exposed and those responsible will go to jail. That is how we restore honor to this House. That is how we solve some of the great uh, and heal some of the great wounds that were inflicted on this body by the Speaker yesterday. Maybe next time the radical left will wait for the facts before engaging in a reflexive, fact-free impeachment. One of the things you can do to protect your children uh, from uh, the indoctrination propaganda of a socialist country, socialist state, is to remove your kids from uh, the public school system, teach them to yourself. That's the best way. You might be able to put them in a charter school <clears throat> if it's a private charter school where they don't have to. If it's a public charter school, you're, you're going to have the same rules as a uh, regular public school. But in order to get them out of the... the uh, perverted teaching on sex education and the revisionist nonsensical teaching about the founding of this country, you're going to have to get your own uh, teaching cur curriculum that teaches the truth about the founding of this nation. And uh, I mean, they've allowed students to go out and leave their classrooms and protest <clears throat> uh, the second amendment. Um, unbelievable. And, uh, so uh, a fifth grade teacher in Detroit thought it was a good idea to teach her class a lesson about Columbus Day. So she made a shirt that said Columbus was a murderer. Now, this is the nonsense that uh, and, and I played you heard earlier in the show a clip by a guy that's uh, knows his history. He's an expert on Columbus. And uh, it's interesting. We call it in, in the missions world ethnocentrism, where you judge other people's cultures by your values instead of understanding what their values were. So what we do today in liberal ethnocentric perspective is we judge a culture and a, a worldview hundreds and hundreds of years ago by our view of the world today. And that's whether we look at slavery, whether we look at the, the, the conquering of the world as what was happening as Europe was sending out explorers all over the world. 
because they were getting blocked. They couldn't get down into, because of the Muslim takeover of parts of the world, they couldn't go from Europe to Asia easily in in trade where they had trade routes. So anyway, uh, this this teacher, uh, now if I was to wear a shirt like um, I'm pro-life, I'm heterosexual, uh, homosexuals are deviant, right? That would probably get somebody's attention, and I wouldn't be able to do that. So she wore this sweatshirt. Now, you would think a teacher, you know, I'm always surprised at how dumb teachers are or dumb principals are. I consider them, I think they should be the elite of the community. Going to all this education, four-year degree minimum. Some of them have master's degree. Some of them even have a doctorate, a, a few of them. But certainly they've gone through classes on ethics and, and how to manage your classroom. And it's not just teaching or math. Say they're an expert in math or English or history. They're not just that they're expert, but they learn how to manage children, uh, organize their lessons. And so then we have a lady that comes in and wants to vomit all over the kids, irrespective of what their, their kids are being taught at home. This teacher thinks, I'm going to just, like, change the world. So her shirt says Columbus was a murderer. And uh, she said she wanted to do that to spark discussion. Now, how many T-shirts or sweatshirts slogans could you wear to spark a discussion? I know they've arrested kids that have had a picture of a gun on a shirt that was an NRA shirt. And they told them to turn it inside out or take it off and put on a different shirt. Uh, pro-life shirts, uh, pro-Jesus shirts, all kinds of stuff. So um, anyway, what happened was uh, this lady, it's a fifth grade class at Clippert Multicultural. Like, honestly, this is a bad sign right here. Clippert, that's the name of the school, Multicultural Magnet Honors Academy. In Detroit Public Schools Community District. When that multicultural is in there, I wouldn't send my kid to that. Uh, and she says, I wanted to te teach them about how there are different perspectives, but instead a school administrator asked her to take off the shirt. I'm sure she meant replace the shirt because I don't think they allow naked women in the classroom. But who knows? It's Detroit, of course, and it's a public school. She soon feared she would, this poor gal, immediately she said, oh, my God. Now she's, she's going to play the victim and say, I'm going to be disciplined. She said, I was informed that my shirt was just my opinion, and I countered it. No, it, he was a murderer. He, it's factual. Christopher Columbus was a murderer and a rapist. So the fact is that many schools and many cities are now declaring that instead of Christopher Columbus Day, they're saying this is Indigenous Peoples Day. If you haven't heard that term, it's usually a term that's used by anthropologists or missionary, Christian missionaries, where they refer to the people that are native to a particular part of the world, Indigenous. Now, that doesn't mean they started there. And that brings up an interesting point now where we got all our start because the, the Indians 
that shouldn't be called Indians. I was called Indians, people from India. But the American Indians, would, but we're not even supposed to be calling them Indians. They, they're really native people or indigenous people. They didn't get their start in America. Do you know that? Yeah, they didn't. Unless you believe that they like were dropped out of heaven with like old old style parachutes. They they uh, they immigrated here themselves. They immigrated here themselves. And uh, so this teacher's goal is to put push Indigenous Peoples Day because she's only going to lift up or promote people that are peaceful people. The problem is with Indigenous Peoples Day. Did you know that many of the Indigenous people in uh, the United States of America, they sacrificed their own kids? Did you notice that? And they murdered each other. They attacked and murdered each other. In fact, it was very common uh, for people to overcome other people, conquer other people. It was a big deal back then, particularly back in the Columbus times. There were conquerors, right? They went and overtake, they overtook different parts of the world uh, and to represent their kingdom. And that's, that's just what they did. It wasn't considered bad. They didn't have the values of today. So, uh, Anyway, that's Christopher Columbus. I don't know what the local school systems in Marysville and Yuba City are doing, but it's shameful because the, the information that is being taught in our colleges about Christopher Columbus is crap. That's, that's what's going on. It's just, it's just full-on crap. And uh, a lot of what's being taught in our schools is baloney and uh, from, from that uh, you may be a girl even though you got the plumbing for a boy or vice versa. Or uh, we need to allow people that think they're a boy, uh, that are a girl, but they think they're a boy, to come into the girls' or the boys' uh, locker room and all and and play on the opposite sports teams. Just we've actually lost their mind. I, I keep seeing these photos of of boys with their arms raised that they're the victor in a wrestling match when they're they're actually wrestling against a girl because they claim they're a girl. They want to be called Susie instead of Shane. And they win the, the, uh, the athletic contest because they are a boy instead of in the wrestling girls. I know a lot of guys that like to wrestle girls, but I don't think they'd want to be called a girl, but you know, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. So, uh, Hey, I want to m mention, I was looking at Facebook and, uh, on my feed came through this amazing picture of a before and after bathroom. And, uh, it was interesting. I thought, I wonder if Dave wrote this or he's got some slick, uh, writer putting these things together for him. It said over this beautiful multi, you know how they show a variety of photos in a box on Facebook. And, uh, it says a quiet place. There's nothing like a quiet sanctuary to end your day. Complete floor plan change made this 50-year-old bathroom the nicest room in the house. Several days were spent breaking out the existing uh, poured-on-place concrete tub. 
Beautiful selections by the owner. I looked at this bathroom and rearranged the floor plan the same day. And then it lists all the the uh, credits for all the different trades that worked there. The place was amazing. It's another beautiful bathroom by Dave Greenitz Construction. So if you've thought of like wanting, what do you call it? If you want a quiet sanctuary to end your day. That's what I need is a quiet sanctuary. I need to get rid of all this trouble and controversy in my neighborhood my house is kind of a sanctuary but but what he what dave creates is a true sanctuary amazing kitchens so he says if you nothing like a quiet sanctuary to end your day so uh beautiful selections by the owner they are beautiful selections look like all kinds of tile and marble in there it's all beautiful all kind of off white and gray and beautiful it's amazing Anyway, if you want to check some of those things out like I do, I, I have Dave Greenitz Construction Facebook page tacked into mine, so when he posts something, it pops over and shows me what he's up to. Dave Greenitz Construction, Green, E-T-Z, Greenitz. And he's been around here <clears throat> since before the uh, the last dinosaurs were shot up there in Browns Valley. And uh, so he's got a lot of experience and. His business, even in the downturn in the economy, he still did good business because he has, he gets repeat customers. That's, that means, if you've never heard of that term before, if you're a millennium, millennial person, that means that people like what you do. They like the way you are. They think you're fair. They think you're honest, and you do great work. See, they come back for more. They keep coming back for more. It's like me wanting to eat something that isn't good for me. I just want to come back for more. So Greenitz Construction, you can check him out on his website at greenitzconstruction.com. And uh, a lot of you millennials, I know you can't talk and face somebody and have a conversation. you got to, like, text them even if you're sitting on the couch across the room. Uh, but you can sneak into that website, greenitzconstruction.com, check out what he's got going on. Lots of photos, lots of photos. They're not, like, stolen from some website. These are his, his work. And you can check it out. If you see something like, you could email him right off that site and tell him what you what you uh, like, what you're interested in. He also does front doors, puts in whole house fans, suck all that hot air out, c- cut down your utility bill. And if you want to, ex- maybe you're living in a small house, you want to trick out your house, make it look really sharp, and then add a deck to it. Like I had, I, I was raised in 1,100 square foot house, three kids, and two parents. We didn't think it was tight in there, but we added a deck. It was really cool because you just walk right out of the living room, swing on these glass doors open, and then you had this additional 500 or so square feet of redwood deck, and uh, it just was very nice. Eat out there at night sometimes. He could put a deck on for you. So you could call him if, you, if you're if you old school and you're, you're just willing to dial somebody up and take a risk. Who might answer? It's just who who would know? 530-682-9602, 530-682-9602. Tell them that Luke called Luke called uh, called Dave out. If you call over there, just say, hey, I heard all about it at uh, No Hostages. He may give you a deadhead discount or something, give you a special deal. So uh, check it out and uh, let me know how let me know how it works out. You know, maybe you'll you'll have one of these sanctuaries put in your house, quiet sanctuary at the end of the day. Who could figure? All right, I'm gonna 
pop on down here. We got a few more minutes in this segment, and we got a couple. We got maybe we got a segment or two left. I think. Um, this I I oh I just saw this. This is amazing. You know, the media uh, is not a news media anymore. They don't. They're not about the news. It's a pro- propaganda arm, just like Pravda was a propaganda arm of the Soviet Union. And the news media today is a propaganda arm of the Democrat Party and the socialists and communists. So they censor the news. What I mean by that is if anything good happens, I mean good, good, that doesn't doesn't reflect well from Demo- on Democrats, like more people are healthy, more people are getting jobs, more people can pay their own way, more people are independent, they can choose whatever political party they're not on welfare anymore they're not on food stamps they're not on section 8 housing uh, there's more freedom those those uh, articles about those type of things are all squinched or squelched or shushed and only the information that's bad is produced and even did you, oh did you see where Trump exposed was it abc news where they were talking about us the attack on syria since we were pulling out our troops and they used a film of of an explosion in kentucky (laughs) this stuff is it's unbelievable what's going on and trump calls calls this guy on it and i don't think i can find it right right now i got i think i kept it here uh, anyway, I'll come back to it. Anyway, the, the guy was giving Trump, this news guy was giving Trump a hard time about the serious situation where we pulled out troops, a small number of troops. And they showed this, this explosive situation looked like a big military conflict. And it was all an explosion in Kentucky. And he was portraying it like it was in Syria. Now, this is the type of nonsense we're dealing with people. Oh, yeah, it's ABC News. And he took on a guy named Jonathan Carl right in a press conference. And and Jonathan Carl just ignored it like he never even heard it. So it's footage from a Kentucky gun range that actually they played it as if it was a bombing of the Kurds in, in, in Syria turkey bombing them and it was all just a fabricated news deal amazing trump says i think abc owes somebody an apology nobody's apologizing to anybody said oh you caught us that time well screw you you know we don't care so uh i was down here i was going to start on something here oh i want to talk about this uh i added this i pulled it over from last week let me see where we are here. Oh, I want to take a break for a second. I'm going to play um, a clip. Uh, remember bump stock? They 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 had to do something, so they they said we can't use bump stocks anymore. I want you to listen to this clip. This will blow your mind right here because this is not being told by the media. It's being squinched. It's being censored by the media because they don't want to let people know that the American people are are breaking the law. In fact, uh, our founding fathers said, if laws are made that 
you don't agree with, you can just ignore them, right? That they're violating the Constitution. So check this out. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. I'm Gardner Goldsmith for MRC TV. And you know how the leftist media continually prattle on about a constitutional crisis when going after Donald Trump, but they assiduously avoid mention of real, obvious, unconstitutional activity like, oh, a so-called bump stock ban or rumblings of red flag laws. Well, the pop media may show their ignorance or bias against guns, but American gun owners are different. As David Shafinsky reports for the Washington Times, the federal government collected fewer than 1,000 bump stocks during the run-up to a new ban in March, despite estimates that hundreds of thousands of the devices that mimic machine gun fire are in circulation, according to federal data provided to the Washington Times by the Justice Department. And regardless of the compelling need for journalists to use quotation marks around the inaccurately named Justice Department, the number 1,000 is actually a very high overstatement. Between the issuance of the final rule banning the devices in December 2018 and April 4th, 2019, shortly after the prohibition took effect in late March, 582 bump stocks were abandoned to the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, according to Justice Department records, and 98 bump stocks were kept as evidence. Fewer than 600, which on the high end translates to 22 one-hundredths of a percent, and on the low end translates to less than 12 one-hundredths of a percent of the bump stock owners complying with this federal mandate, which gives us some great grist for the mill. First of all, if such a vast number of mostly law-abiding citizens are unwilling to comply with this federal mandate about gun accessories, then what politician or bureaucrat in his or her right mind, and I know that opens things up to a lot of jokes, could possibly think that criminally-minded people will comply with a gun ban? Second, the pop media fear-mongering about bump stocks did produce the ban that progressives sought but it did not instill fear of the devices or fear of government retribution for keeping them. And perhaps this is because bump stocks were never registered. So the unconstitutional Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives doesn't have any record of who actually owns them, which is a signal call to those who wonder why gun licensing and registration are super, super bad mojo. Now. Let's round this off with a couple lessons. First of all, this ban was not only carried out in an unconstitutional fashion by a BATFE regulatory change calling bump stocks machine guns so they could pursue them under the unconstitutional 1934 Firearms Act, the 1968 Gun Control Act, and the insultingly titled and unconstitutional 1986 Gun Owners Protection Act, it and all federal statutes prohibiting guns or compelling people to act in certain ways before they can exercise their rights to keep and bear arms are not only shockingly unconstitutional, they run contrary to the fundamental axiom of natural rights. And this is where we get to our final lesson. By acting in this way, these civilly minded people who resisted this federal demand for the bump stocks are actually hearkening back to recommendations from philosophers over a thousand years ago. 
from Socrates to Aristotle to Thomas Aquinas to John Locke to Thomas Jefferson, we saw recognition first of the concept of civil disobedience. When the state passes a law that you feel is not right, you don't have to abide by that. If you're acting in a peaceful way, there's no reason that you should have to comply. Thomas Aquinas took it a step further, and he distinguished between natural law and statutory law with the expression of lex mala, lex nulla. Bad law is no law. And this is what these people are recognizing. They're saying, you know what? This is an unjust law, and I will not comply. Now, Aquinas stressed the concept of civil disobedience. Thomas Jefferson and John Locke took it a step further. Locke in the 1600s said, not only do you not have to obey to a bad statute, but you can rebel against a government that passes these bad statutes. Then Jefferson, in the Declaration of Independence, took it to its final point, which is that not only can you rebel, you have a duty to rebel statutes that run contrary to natural rights. And the reason you have a duty to rebel is because your rights are granted to you by God. And you're doing a disservice to God if you don't stand up for what he gave you. It's a big thing. I don't know how many of these people are thinking about all this philosophy. Maybe it's just part of human nature, but it's fantastic to see. So does that surprise you that uh, people are resisting and disobeying the law? Uh, this is just one small incident. I'm going to give you another one in a minute. Uh, but it's one small incident where people are just saying, you know, I'm, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to obey that. And I'm not following that. And so you can go screw yourself. The founding father said, if there's laws that are made that are contrary to the Constitution, just ignore them. And it said, at some point, you're going to have to do more than ignore them, and you're going to have to overthrow the government. So the bump stock issue is just one small uh, deal. Uh, already, people are bringing in uh, guns into California, bought in other states where they can't buy guns here now, or they got a, or they're buying buying ammo in other states because most people that are buying ammo, if you don't have a gun registered to you in that name, you can't buy ammo anyway. So there's all kinds of restrictions, and uh, so I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, that's a great clip. Uh, and I'm going to talk when we come back. I'm going to play you a clip on uh, California's liberal policies aren't working. I thought you probably knew that, but this is just more evidence. When we get back, I'm going to talk about another uh, issue where people are, uh, are not following the rules. Be right back. isn't this a major story nationwide? $4 gas in the state with the highest poverty rate in the nation. Yeah, I'm talking about California, where the average price of a gallon of gas is $4.18, and close to one person in five lives in poverty. Wouldn't you think that such a progressive state would do something about the outrageous cost of a fill-up for its millions of poor people? It should be headline news, but it's not. And that's because the media is in lockstep with the Democrats who've run California for a generation. Progressive failures 
are rarely acknowledged. Just imagine you're living in California. Oh, no, no, not among the coastal elite. No, you're one of the seven million poor people in the Golden State. A 15-gallon fill-up, that's what it normally is, about 15 gallons, would cost you 62 bucks in California. The rest of the country pays maybe $20 less per fill-up. And it's $30 less per fill-up in states like South Carolina. In California, the very high cost of just getting around really hurts the poor, even though the Democrats are supposed to be helping the poor. Now look at the other end of the scale. Oh, the rich. They face the highest income tax rates in California anywhere. The top rate is over 13% on top of federal taxes. And of course, under the new tax law, those state tax payments are no longer deductible. No wonder the rich are leaving. But it begs the question, how come the state with the highest taxes has the highest poverty rate? The Democrats running for president tell us that if we raise taxes even more, we would reduce income inequality. It hasn't worked in California, has it? It's often said that the states are a laboratory for ideas. Try something here, and if it works, use it elsewhere, someplace else. With $4 gas, super high taxes, and 7 million people in poverty, the California plan is not working. And it's time the media stopped covering it up. Here we go. We're going to go on to something else here in California that uh, all these laws that are being made, you know, whether you have a local law where you can't paint your house a certain color or we have laws here in in, Cal in uh, Yuba County. I don't know where, whether elsewhere the same uh, where supposedly we can't have the, the cheerleaders of the high school can't have a car wash anymore. Or somebody wants to bury, bury their dead baby. They don't have enough money. They can't have a little car wash. That's now illegal. You can wash your own car if you have a device on the end that stops the water when you quit spraying. Uh, they don't want water just to continue to run, even though you're willing to pay for it. You were paying by the meter here. So there's all kinds of rules. You can wash your car at home, but you can't take it to a place where somebody's doing a fundraiser. I notice more and more people are ignoring that. I just wish people would just say, screw you to the government and just ignore all these ridiculous laws. They're making criminals out of people that were law-abiding citizens at one point. They're not like they're stealing from people or assaulting people or raping people. They're not hurting other people, but they're just rules to tell you that this is pretty soon it's kind of tell you what time to get up, what time to go to bed, how long you can have your lights on, <clears throat> when you can water your lawn. They've already told us when we can water, when we can't water. So Brittany Hughes wrote an article that says, Amid wildfires and homeless crises, California bans hotels from offering plastic shampoo bottles. You know, you go to a hotel and they got the little courtesy uh, shampoo. Uh, they got the lotion, shampoo, conditioner bottles, right? So now those have now been eliminated. If it's a, if it's a hotel with more than 50 rooms, they're officially, I just, I love this word officially. I'm so sick of this officially will be prohibited from providing their guests with items like shampoo, conditioners, and small plastic bottles of less than six ounces. Well, of course, they're not going to put six ounces in there because it's a ridiculous amount. You don't need that much for two days, and you're going to end up, they're going to give you away free shampoo to take home with you. 
The new law carries fines. Again, we can't have a law without fines, right? So it's the same way we got, we can't have a straw, but, but you can shoot needles and throw them. You can shoot up dugs, get free needles and throw those on the ground. We can waste. Those are plastic, right? How are those? Are those ending up in the ocean? I, I, no one's addressed the issue I brought up recently about condoms. They're giving free condoms away in California because they're, they're trying to cure everybody's sexual promiscuity and set, et cetera. So what about all those ending up in the, in the nose of some turtle? Uh, you know, they're not going to break down quickly. And uh, so this kid claimed that 500 million straws were being used a day in California. It's just unbelievable the baloney that's going on. So the new law fines up to $500 for the first offense. Of course, you got to have a first offense and a second offense and a third offense. And so 2000 for each violation after that. So on the straw thing, there was five, fi- there was a fine for the first offense, second fine. So now we got all these little straw Nazis. Now we got shampoo Nazis. We got condom Nazis running around, uh, the Hill, uh, the author, California assembly member, Ash. Oh, shoot. My computer jumped up. Now I lost this. Oh, here we go. Uh, the assembly member, we could call Ash Calra, said the move is about making California all this first state in the country. They always want to be first, 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 first transgender state, first weirdo state, first dope state, first state to have thousands of needles on the street, first date to have a state to have a crap app. I mean, we're first, 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 first state in the country to accelerate more sustainable alternatives in hotel. Pretty soon, the whole state's not going to be sustainable. The whole state's going to be unsustainable. Calra says we've reached a tipping point for action and more needs to be done that transitions consumers and businesses towards more sustainable alternatives. And given our state's large presence in tourism, this will be a model for the nation. Now, I get a kick out of this tourism thing. So a number of years ago, John Missler, who used to be a supervisor in the, in the county of Yuba, and uh, Hal Stalker, who, who used to be a supervisor in the county of Yuba, the county wanted to have a tourism tax. That's when you add a tax, a special tax, on every hotel um, room that's rented. And, uh, and so Hal and... John, who were opponents because they served the same area, so they they used to have campaigns against each other, but they showed them in the newspaper as agreeing on this tourist tax. Now, John's take on it was, as I was talking to him, he said, Lou, when they passed that tourist tax or they promoted the tourism tax, that was supposed to be used, the money from that was supposed to be used to promote tourism to encourage people to come to the county of Yuba. Now, you see people, I see states advertising on Facebook, come to Idaho, come to Nevada, come to Virginia City, come to Tahoe, paid by somebody, right? And so that tourism tax was supposed to be used, according to John, that's what he was told, to fund tourism in the Yuba Sutter area or in Yuba County area. Was it? Nope. Just went in the general fund because I noticed that now there's a tourism group privately funded. They're raising money among various businesses. And the whole idea is to figure out ways to bring people to come up here and get in, come hunting, come fishing, come recreating at Bullard's Bar Dam, come camping, 
Come do this. Come do that. Come do motocross. But they're all doing it out of the private sector. And you think, where'd those millions of dollars go every year? The tourism tax. They just went into the old hog trough, the old government hog trough, and to increase people's wages. Just in- increase those wages. So uh, the writer here, who we and we play some of our clips. Uh, my computer's jumping around here. I don't know what's going on here. I'm having problems. So we play some of her clips if I can get back to it now. So she says, while California lawmakers are busy forcing hotels to discontinue handing out those little plastic bottles of soap, the state is continuing to face a homeless crisis in many of its major cities, widespread power outages to mitigate wildfire risk. And new reports show that about one in three California public school students are uh, only one in three meet the basic math requirements. In other words, the whole state is going to hell in a handbasket, but by God, we're not going to allow a small shampoo bottle around here. Now, I wanted, there's a little deal. Oh, I think it's at the very end here. Come on. It's close. I found this. This is interesting. This gal's from India, right? She said, if I wanted the power shut off for days by bloated uh, corrupt utilities enabled by a bloated corrupt one-party politician or one-party government i would have stayed in india isn't that that's a thought maybe some of these mexicans that are up here say this is looking so much like mexico i'm just going to go back home but they don't give them no free stuff back home san diego mayor um uh let's see i'm gonna let i'm gonna let that go listen this is this is Government deception and corruption at its best. Simi Valley, Simi Valley, it's in California. Uh, it's they say at first look, the union employees get no pay raise out of the recent negotiations. And it sounds like the unions have come to their senses. The money is just not there. But then when you look at the whole deal, which is usually not told to the public, the city has taken, take, been taken to the cleaners, as are the taxpayers. If the, whenever the city or county is taken to the cleaners, that means you are and I am. So, uh, so here's the, he says, a pretty nice pay package, a pretty nice package for employees. Over, over the two-year term of the agreement, employees in Simi Valley don't get a salary increase. Well, what would they get? Well, they get this. 12 additional days of annual vacation accrual, which means a lower level of service for more and more employees uh, will be needed. In other words, you've got to hire more employees to work so those other people can have vacation, right? So the amount of employees go up in the county or the city. 78% increase in tuition re- reimbursement. Did you know that some of these government uh, employees get tuition reimbursement up to $1,600 down there in Simi Valley. 80% increase in cash out unused vacation hours. So if you don't use your vacation hours because they're, they need you to work, you can get 180 hours per year. That means they pay you. You didn't have to work. And, uh, 
but you worked. So you got paid for that. But but even though you didn't take the vacation hours, they're going to pay you at the end of when you decide to, to leave. They're going to pay you even though you could have taken your vacation hours. Money that could go to services or new employees go to those that love to work and get extra money each year. That equals that's equal to 4.5 weeks of pay, a 12% increase in pay while claiming no pay pay increase. See how it works? Employer will contribute $240 per year on behalf of each employee to the city's 457 plan. Maybe that's a retirement plan. Employer will contribute one time $350 contribution over two years towards the employee city's 457 plan. Isn't that interesting? Just so interesting, but the employees are not getting any increase, but they are getting an increase. This is what happens. This is why we're we're going broke. This is why we're going broke. broke. So that's that. Uh, so let me see where we are. Uh, I think we're there. We're there. Okay. We've got another section to do after we get done here. We've got about eight minutes to go. I'm going to get into this. This is an interesting uh, article I was trying to get to last week, but I just ran out of time. So uh, says science says parents, the most successful kids are parents who do these nine things. I want you to think about nine things that parents can do that really help their kids. And uh, the first one is don't tell them they can be anything they want. According to a survey of 400 teenagers conducted by market research, etc., young Americans aren't interested in doing the work that will need to be done in the years to come. They aren't interested in it. Instead, they aspire to be musicians, athletes, video game designers, and even those kinds of jobs only comprise 1% of American occupations. In reality, jobs in healthcare and the construction trades will be the golden jobs in future decades. Now, I'm telling you, you could, I got friends in construction trades, and they make good money, and healthcare too. Why not steer them into well-paying professions in which they will? there's a huge shortage and they, they'll never lack for work? Why tell people they can be anything they want? They can't. Not anybody can. If they're four foot six, they can't be no NBA player. Why tell them they can be? Why be stupid? That's not, that's not being real. Eat dinner as a family is number two. I ate dinner as a family. I'll, I think I, I miss those days. Ate dinner as a family. According to a nonprofit organization operating at a Harvard University, kids who eat with their families roughly five days a week exhibit lower levels of substance abuse, teen pregnancy, obesity, and depression. They also have higher grade point averages, better vocabularies, and more self-esteem. Now, generally, the government tells you that the government can help, help all these areas, but the government is not the answer. We need to eat dinner as a family, even if you're a part family, maybe you don't have both parents there anymore. Maybe one died, maybe one left. Who knows what happened? But kids who eat with their families roughly five days a week, you think, how are we going to stop teen pregnancy? What about substance abuse? What about people too fat? When I fly back in the United States from Vietnam after being gone for a couple of weeks, I think, man, everybody's overinflated around here. What are we going to do about depression? Oh, she needs to go on the pill. She needs to go on medication. She needs to, like, go to mental health. 
How do we raise grade point average? I've talked to kids. I think, how old are you? You don't even. You can't even talk. You don't even have a good vocabulary. You don't even know how to speak English. Number three, enforce no screen time. First time I ever heard anybody talk about this is Dr. Cassidy. He used to be the health official for Yuba County. They, they with their five kids, they didn't have a television. And I'm sure they didn't have smartphones, staring at smartphones. They read, they read and did things together. Researchers have found that the brains of little kids can be permanently, say permanently altogether, permanently altered when they spend too much time using tablets and smartphones. Oh, my God. You see the dysfunction at restaurants, watching families all sitting, eating, looking at their smartphone. Nobody's talking to nobody. Specifically, the development of certain abilities is impeded, including focus and attention, vocabulary, and social skills. You can't have them on smartphones all day and expect them to sit in class all day. It ain't going to work. In fact, American Academy of Pediatrics, that's taking care of kids. Children, they say children younger than 18 months should have no screen time at all other than video chatting. For kids ages 2 to 5, it recommends limited screen time to one hour a day. For older kids, it's a matter of making sure media doesn't take the place of adequate sleep, exercise, and social interaction. I'm telling you, these youngsters nowadays, I mean, out in the job market, they can't, they can't interact socially. They're screwed up in the head. AAP, that's the pediatric group again, says parents should make dinner, the dinner table, the car, and bedrooms media-free zones. Come on now. Number four, work outside the home. There's certainly uh, family benefits to having a stay-at-home mom, but researchers at Harvard Business School have found that when moms work outside the home, their daughters are more likely to be employed themselves, hold supervisorial jobs, and make more money than peers whose mothers did not have careers. So there's some benefits of moms having careers, but the question is, is there enough mom around the house? Are there any parents around the house? Or are we just coming home to an empty house with no direction in life? Kids need direction. Number five, make them work. Uh, in a 2015 TED Talk, you can probably look this up on the uh, YouTube, Julie Lithcott Hames, H-A-I-M-S, author of How to Raise an Adult. She's the former dean of freshmen at Stanford University. She cites the Harvard Grant study, which found that participants who achieved the greatest professional success did chores as a child. Unfortunately, we're living, we're not living on the farm anymore, and we don't have a lot of advantage to do chores. But honestly, people, if you have kids, your your lawn, your your house should be impeccable. If it's trashed and you can't get anybody to do anything, you need to go take a parenting course. I, I used to love to work. I, I mean, I, I used to, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I was just wired differently. Parents say, "Hey, you need. We need to wash the windows. We'll we'll hook you up. You wash the windows. You paint the fence. We need you to take. You need to take over the lawn for your dad." I loved it. Uh, so. I was at the, this is fun. This is funny that this is coming up. Delayed gratification, number six. So I was at the gym last night and I had a shirt on, don't eat the marshmallow. And this guy, 
I think he might be an educator. I don't know what he is, a youngster. He says to me, he said, hey, what's, usually nobody talks to you at the gym, you know. They have their earbuds in and all that kind of stuff. So I don't do any of that. I just go work out. So I have this T-shirt that says, don't eat the marshmallow. He says, hey, what's up with this don't eat the marshmallow? What's that mean? So I told him about this story. And you can look it up yourself. In 1972, it's called the classic marshmallow experiment. It involved placing a marshmallow in front of a young child with the promise of a second marshmallow if he or she refrained from eating the squishy blob while a searcher, researcher stepped out of the room for 15 minutes so the kid could eat it. Or, and then they filmed them, uh, secretly filmed the child, and they were like freaking out. They wanted to lick it, touch it, smell it secretly eat half of it you know all that kind of stuff you know kids they're just like having a mind blower experience some of them just like dialed down and they said i want i want two marshmallows follow-up studies what happened some of them ate it some of them didn't some of them licked it some of them held on follow-up studies over the next 40 years found that the children who were able to resist temptation to eat the marshmallow grew up to be people with better social skills higher test scores lower incidence of substance abuse. They also turned out to be less obese, better able to deal with stress. To help kids build this skill, train them to have habits that must be accomplished every day, even when they don't feel like doing them. Hallelujah to you. Top performers in every field, athletes, musicians, CEOs, artists, are all more consistent than their peers, wrote James Clear, an author and speaker who studies the habits of successful people. They show up and deliver day after day after day while everyone else gets bogged down with the urgencies of day's daily life and fights to a constant battle between procrastination and motivation. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back. I got one more uh, segment to do, and I'll finish up the last three of the nine, and uh, then we'll have something else, and then we'll uh, land the plane. Okay, so we'll be right back. I just need to wet my whistle here get right back to it. Thank you. Physical violence and anger were on full display during a Trump rally in Minnesota late last week, except that contrary to what you'll see and read from the news media, the hits weren't coming from the right. No, in fact, there were an awful lot of left hooks being thrown at Trump supporters, though they're unlikely to make CNN's headlines. So we'll show them to you instead. Outside Trump's rally in Minneapolis late last week, an anti-Trump protester spit in the face of an older man wearing a MAGA hat right in the middle of a recorded interview with Vice News. As in, while the cameras were rolling and everything. Check it out. In 2016, something that the president was really proud of in his campaign was that it was self-funded and that he had a lot of small... Oh, nice. Now, as if that weren't bad enough, another left-winger actually came out of the crowd and proceeded to tell the guy that while someone spitting in his face was, quote, disrespectful, the hat he was wearing was just as bad. It's not all real. That's not how people really feel. That's disrespectful. But on the other hand, that is disrespectful as too. So there's a difference. Because, you know, spitting in someone's face and wearing a harmless piece of fabric, yeah, that's the same thing. Now, later on, a woman walking with a man who was also wearing a MAGA hat 
was struck in the face by a leftist thug as she was trying to leave the rally. Okay, now, I just want to make sure that I'm still understanding this correctly. So Trump supporters wearing red hats, they're still supposed to be the violent ones, right? They're the racist Nazi lovers who hate immigrants and are going to start shooting people in the street, yeah? Because see, that's not what I see here. I see left-wing nutjobs spitting on peaceful rally-goers and slapping women in the face. Now where's the media condemnation of that? Because if some kids wearing a MAGA hat can smile at a Native American man and be accused of all but starting World War III, surely Antifa crazies can at least be criticized for actually assaulting people. No? Okay. Cool, cool, because apparently this is where we're at now. Take Vox, for example. See, they summed up the rally with this headline. Trump's Minneapolis rally was a window into how ugly his 2020 campaign will be. A New York Times op-ed slammed Trumpism's infinite vulgarities. Esquire, of all places, claimed that Trump's Minneapolis rally was a demonstration of the moral suicide pact he's made with his supporters. But leftists can stand outside his rallies and actually pop people in the face. And not only are they almost never arrested for it, it's never even talked about, much less openly condemned as it should be. Law-abiding citizens can't express support for the Second Amendment because that's just too darn dangerous, but liberal lunatics can accost the police and knock people upside the head with bike locks and beat the snot out of conservative journalists and the general populace, and somehow it's whatever. But see, here's the thing. You can bet if one of these guys had taken a swing right back at the loser who spit on them or hit them in the face, there'd be headlines for days about how a violent, probably racist Trump supporter knocked some poor, peace-loving liberals two front teeth down his throat. If the media want to hold themselves up as some paragon of peace and love in a time of civil unrest, they would start calling out the open and rampant aggression and violence that progressives are apparently allowed to display with total impunity. Until then, we're going to keep calling them out for what we already know to be true, that the left and their media lapdogs have absolutely no problem with violence, as long as it's only their side throwing the punches. Trudeau denies the report. Ed, sounds like a rough week for Canada's first black prime minister. Thanks, Tim. A problem long posed, now finally an answer. A cure has been found to a rare form of cancer. We'll tell you who found it, what he thinks this means, and dig up some tweets from his early teens. Plus, the good Samaritan whose quickness and breath saved a family of four from a fiery death. We'll ask how he did it, how he made it in time, and why he tweeted this back in 2009. Uh, Ed? Yes, Tim. Forgive the defiance, but I think we should focus on the news part, the science, and not what they tweeted back when they were 10. The science. Hmm. I'll try it again. Archaeologists of Unearth. Yeah. A series of tweets See, made by this local hero when he was 13. Okay. Will this middle school tweet soon mean his demise? Our report just might win the Pulitzer Prize. <laughs> Pulitzer Prize in what? Scrolling down? We found immature things immature people wrote down. Our country's at war and that's the story we saw? War coverage. Yes. I'll give it a shot. This Navy SEAL unit is now under fire for a series series of tweets will take our magnifier and pay no attention to how their recent life's been tell you what you should think that says about them. Says about them? What's it say about us that the first thing we do after someone's disgust is comb through their childhood looking for dirt? Okay, I can do this. I assure you, I'm cured. Well, she's the first woman to serve on the board of our town city council. She just signed an accord. We'll comb through the details of what she did right and through years of her tweets in hopes of wrecking her life. Uh, okay, I see, I, I hate this. This is just what we do. Make things controversial for clicks and 
reviews. When we're covering news, should our first thought each time be, let's find what they tweeted back when they were nine. Finally, millions can now walk thanks to his prosthesis. But a hateful hand signal when he was a fetus okay. leads many to now question what he promotes. We'll toss him in a well and see if he floats. Talking about nine things you can do to make sure your kids are successful. Maybe I got to do a deal on the computer here. Here we go. That one. That one. So we're talking about nine things um, that parents can do to make their kids successful. First one was don't tell them they can be anything they want because they can't. And we need to help them zero in on things that are going to be sure hits for them. Two is eat dinner as a family. Three is enforce a no screen time technology. Four, work outside the home, get kids working. In other words, parents, moms working out at home isn't always that bad. They can inspire kids to get a career themselves. Females, make them work. Kids need to work around the house and, and they shouldn't, to me, they shouldn't always be paid for it either. It's, they, they're a part of the family. They're not like slaves. They're part of the family, and they should contribute because they get the benefits of being there. Six, delayed gratification. Uh, the marshmallow experiment, you can read all about it. Go on the Internet. Go on YouTube, whatever. Don't eat the marshmallow, in other words. Delayed gratification. I learned about it. This guy said when I told him about that, this guy last night said, Oh, I, I, he said, I took a psychology course because I told him it was a psychiatrist and psychologist that were doing these experiments at Stanford University. And uh, But I first learned about delayed gratification in a sociology course at Yuba College back in the day, delayed gratification. It's a value that some societies have, some don't. Number seven is read to them. Researchers at New York University School of Medicine found that babies— Babies whose parents read to them have better language literacy and early reading skills four years later before starting elementary school. You think, oh, we want to kill all the kids to be in. As soon as we can get them into school, we want to have them in school and get money for them and just another form of welfare. Fact is, best thing you can do is have parents and siblings read to these kids four years, four years later. After reading to babies, before they enter elementary school, they got superior reading skills. And kids who like books when they're little grow into people who read for fun later on, which is has its own set of benefits. According to Dr. Alice Sullivan, who uses the British cohort study to track various aspects of 17,000 people in the U.K., for those out there that are a little slow, that's the uh, United Kingdom, England, Britain. She says, we compared children from the same social backgrounds who achieved similar tested abilities, who achieved similar tested abilities at ages 5 and 10, and discovered that those who frequently read books at age 10 and more than once a week 
when they were 16 had higher test results than those who read less. In other words, reading for pleasure was linked to greater intellectual progress in vocabulary, spelling, and mathematics. Number eight, encourage them to travel. This is amazing. I, I, I'm a big, I didn't travel much when I was a kid. I don't think many people did. Nowadays, you can travel, travel, travel. It's cheaper to travel. Uh, the Student and Youth Travel Association surveyed 1,432 U.S. teachers who credit international travel in particular with affecting students in a myriad of good ways. 76% desired to travel more. 74% increased tolerance of other cultures and ethnicities. 73% had increased willingness to know and learn and explore. 70% had increased willingness to try different foods. 69% increased independence, self-esteem, and confidence. 69% had more intellectual curiosity. 66% increased tolerance and respectfulness. 66% had better adaptability and sensitivity. 51% were more outgoing. 51% had better self-expression. And 42% increased attractiveness to college admissions. In other words, if they travel a lot, college admissions, it had a plus on getting into college. Um They also said it just doesn't involve international travel. Domestic travel had similar benefits. Okay, number nine, let them fail. This is hard for parents. Let them fail. This is why you don't give, uh, you shouldn't give uh, trophies to all the participants of the soccer team. Just, we shouldn't have participation trophies. According to Dr. Stephanie O'Leary, a clinical psychologist specializing in neuropsychology and author of Parenting in the Real World, the rules have changed. Failure is good for kids on several levels. First, experiencing failure helps your child to learn how to cope, a skill that's certainly needed in the real world, the real world, Right? It also provides him or her with the life experience needed to relate to peers in a genuine way. Being challenged also instills the need for hard work and sustained efforts and also demonstrates that these traits are valuable even without the blue ribbon, the gold star, or the top score. Over time, children who have experienced defeat, not success, but defeat, will build resilience and be more willing to attempt difficult tasks and activities because they are not afraid to fail. And she says, rescuing your child sends the message that you don't trust him or her. Your willingness to see your child struggle communicates that you believe they are capable and they can handle any outcome, even a negative one. Well, how did you do on the nine? Don't tell them they can be anything. Eat dinner as a family, enforce no screen time, work outside the home, make them work, delay gratification, read to them, encourage them to travel, let them fail. Man, those are good. I wish I'd have known those when I was starting out. Man, I should have charged for this. All right. So I want to also mention another outfit that helps us, and that is a plumbing doctor. And you can reach them at 530-671-9111. And as I drive around town, I see different plumbers parked all over the place. People are having plumbing problems. It's just a thing of life. 
once, you know, at one time in the United States, we didn't have any plumbing problems. You remember those days? That's because there wasn't any, right? If you don't have any plumbing, no problem. You just go outside and do it elsewhere. And uh, you haul in the water. But sometime, at some point, somebody says, I think we need to, it would be nice if we could get up and go to the bathroom inside the house and we could have water inside the house. It did create some problems because sometimes there's the line breaks or the water goes the wrong direction. And so this modern convenience needs a little maintenance. I, that's what I notice at my house. I have to, every once in a while, every couple of years, I need a little plumbing maintenance, and I call the plumbing doctor at 671-9111. You can call them every, any time of the night or day. If you're a tweaker, you can just call them in the middle of the night. And you got a tweaker with a bathroom, a toilet screwing up. They will send somebody out to help you even though you're a tweaker. They, 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 don't, they are not anti-tweakers. They will help their plumbing problems as well. So you, you can just go out there and get it on. Uh, let's see. I wanted to mention a couple things. Um, this time of year, I run this program called the Trauma Intervention Program. We go out on 911 calls. Yesterday we were on a call where a, a baby was not breathing. And a few days ago, a boy got run over on, on walking on the way to school. Somebody was drunk and ran right over him, killed him. And... Unfortunately, it happens in all of our all of our uh, cities. I, I read you re another situation in another part of the United States where an illegal immigrant was uh, driving recklessly or under the influence and ran over a guy, ran, hit a guy on a motorcycle, killed him. He had three or three or five kids, something like that. Anyway, life happens in every community, and even just natural deaths happen in every community, right? There's births, there's deaths, there's all kinds of things that happen. So... I was telling the California Highway Patrol yesterday, I was meeting with some of their officers on a training day, and I just said, you know, we have a lot of people at emergency scenes, but no one's really designated to help all the people that are survivors that cared about that person that died and was in, or was injured, and they're traumatized emotionally, uh, but they're not traumatized physically, so that's not your job is to work with them emotionally. In other words, you need to clean up the highway, get the car off the, off the highway. You need to transport the people to the hospital or to the mortuary. And uh, so we have in the Yuba Sutter County area, we have this thing called Trauma Intervention Program. We've, we're between our 11,000th 11, and 12,000th call. We're uh, after 25 years. And so we have volunteers. It's an all-volunteer program. We don't have a big overhead. We don't, we don't rent offices. We don't have big administrative costs. We have very, very little administrative costs. We have some office supply costs, printing literature for our, our clients. We have computers and technology, phones and stuff like that we need to, to have. But uh, each year we do a fundraiser. We've done all kinds of fundraisers. We've sold fireworks. We've, we've sold dinners. We've done all kinds of stuff. But finally, we, we just got down to doing a fundraiser. We asked people to help us and uh, to send us the money. And, and if they don't like it, what we do or they don't trust us, obviously give money elsewhere. But if you want to help us, this is the time of year we kind of recruit some money. And we're going to work on it up through the end of the year. But uh, 
the best way you could do, even if it's, it takes a little bit more work, is just send us a check, and you can do that at TIP, T-I-P, at P.O. Box 645, Marysville, 95901, Marysville, California, 95901. That way, 100% of the money goes into our bank account, right? So uh, you can go online at GoFundMe.com backslash TIP2020. GoFundMe.com backslash TIP2020. And uh, GoFundMe takes a little cut of the action, a small percentage. And so that's why I say if you send us a check, we get all of it. Uh, so that's a couple ways you can go. Uh, Actually, you can just go on our website at yubasuttertip.org and go to donation, and that'll uh, give you another way to give as well. But uh, 100% of your money is going to go to training emergency responders how to use us. That's what I was doing yesterday, or training our own people how to help traumatized individuals when something really bad happens. Uh, and then we, we give out a lot of material. We have a website. People can go to from around the United States, obviously, when they have a trauma, helps them. But we also have literature that we hand out and guidance. We have a 24-hour. We have the only live 24-hour hotline to answer a person's questions after something bad happens. Not just answer general questions, but where did they take my dad when he died out there on the highway? Where did they take him? And we know those answers. You think, well, why don't they just call 911? Because 911 is there, and they'll answer, they'll answer the phone, but they don't always have the questions uh, answered that we would know. If we're on the call, we're going to know what happened in the whole situation. So we're the only ones, in, and we actually take pressure off the 911 system by, by taking a question that we can actually answer rather than giving it to the 911 system where they're not sure what happened because they weren't there. If you have a dispatcher sitting in a dark room with all these monitors all around her. So uh, if you want to help us, you want to give to a good cause. A lot of people give to causes that most of the money doesn't even go to the end result. It goes to administration or fundraising. Like our fundraising, it takes a very, very small amount of dollars. So a lot of our people just talk to folks that they know about, that they know, that know about what they do. They're tip volunteers. So... We have all kinds of categories of giving. I mean, we have the hospital is a platinum giver. They give $5,000 to us a year the Adventist Hospital. And by-county ambulance, local ambulance service gives us, the last few years, has given us $2,500. There's a gold sponsor. Other people give silver sponsors, $1,500. Bronze sponsors, $750. But you could just give $5, $10. It's fine with us. I mean, we, we've kept going here for 25 years with just people and businesses that care about us and care about the work we do. And, uh, you know, there's hardly anybody I know that hasn't have a tragedy in their life. And, and people think through, how was it when I went through a really bad situation? And, um, many times people feel like, boy, I, I really, uh, I could have used some help. You know, I made it, but I could have used some help. It was a little gnarly. Uh, you know, we're not bringing people back from the dead or putting an arm back on somebody, but when things are really bad, and people don't know how the emergency response system works. They don't know when somebody dies, they don't know what the system is, how come the deputy comes to the house, where the person's going to be taken. Uh, 
if the autopsy has to be done, why, where are they going to do it? How come they're going to do it over there in that city? When am I going to get him back so we can do a funeral? I don't have enough money. How could I get a few free cremation? How does that all work? Tip people know the answers to all that. When you go to the ER, if you ever end up in trouble and tips involved and you end up at the hospital, we, we have access and can get things done a lot quicker over there. But uh, emergency responders, we, we serve every emergency response agency, over 25 agencies in the Yuba Sutter County area, including CHP, it's a state agency, on down to the county and the city agencies, fire agencies, police agencies, by-county ambulance, and the Adventist Hospital. So we serve the ER, the ICU, CVICU, all the main floors. And uh, so if you want to give to that, it's a good cause. Maybe we've helped uh, some of your people. We've a lot of times we've helped a certain family multiple times over the years. Maybe they had a house fire, then they had a heart attack. <clears throat> you know, it's a small community. We serve about 160,000 people up here in Yuba Sutter counties. And I've been doing it for, like I said, 25 years. So if you want to help us. Uh, oh, I, I came up with this interesting statistic that we annually invest about 40,000 volunteer hours a year. And in, in the, the U.S. government... They said if you had to pay for that kind of work and that kind of service with all that it takes to run an organization, it's 24, this is a couple of years ago, $24.69 an hour. The whole organizational cost to pay somebody, workers' comp, insurance, management, all that kind of stuff, twenty-four sixty-nine an hour. If that's the case at 40,000 hours, it's just under a million dollars a year that we provide in services to the Yuba Sutter area. So want to help us uh again p.o box 645 tip marysville and uh you can you can always reach me and if you want to talk to me about in-kind gifts if you have something that, other than money uh, you can dial me up at 530-713-1838 same same phone i use for uh no hostages radio 530-713-1838 Okay, so I covered our sponsors. If you if you ever want to sponsor us, you think, oh, I like I like this No Hostages Radio, and I I believe uh, in what Lou's doing, and I want to I want to make sure it flourishes and does well. It's growing a little bit at a time as people find out where we are and learn how to use podcasts. Many of the people that are coming onto the show are using podcasts. Some of them are for the very first time. They just never use their phone for that or haven't figured out how to get over here. So, uh, so anyway, I'll, I'll leave that with you. If, if you're interested in helping us, if you want to, if we can promote your business or your service or whatever you got going on out there, we'll promote for you. And, uh, the costs aren't that high. You can call me at 530-713-1838. If you have any interest, I'll do my best to promote your your enterprise. And uh, so we're going to call it a day here. Uh, if you Again, if you want to reach me, you can uh, shoot me an email. I was entertained and interested, and not only entertained, but interested by your perspective and what's going on I've, uh, with your life. Like this gentleman, he's almost 80 and he's having a hard time financially staying staying in the city of Marysville. And uh, so I'll be following up with him. So uh, you can reach me at Lou 
L-O-U at nohostagesradio.com. So um, we'll see you next week at this time, and uh, we'll come up with some new information for you. And uh, in the meantime, you can, you can reach out to me if you wish. So thank you for listening. And we'll catch you next week. We're so glad to see so many of you lovely people here tonight. We would especially like to welcome all the representatives of Illinois' law enforcement community who have chosen to join us here in the Palace Hotel Ballroom at this time. We certainly hope you all enjoy the show. And remember, people, that no matter who you are and what you do to live, thrive, and survive, there's still some things that make us all the same. You, me, them. Sugar to kiss